Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Cross Rumble Podcast. Take two. What's up, Kev? Hey, Mike. How you doing? See, your game's all jacked up now, man. I know. You're... I was all motivated. Now yeah. I'm fucking crashing. <laughs> um, hey, this Phil Cross Rumble episode is brought to you by KillCliff.com. Check out KillCliff.com. Best energy drinks, all natural energy drinks. Make... <laughs> Fuck. Um, made drive, on the drive on fight through it. I'm fighting fight through, through it, man. It. Yeah. I need a kill cliff. I Stand need to fight. I'm Come gonna on. butt chug a kill cliff right here. <laughs> um, killcliff.com use survival one zero to save 10%. All natural energy drinks supporting the Navy SEAL Foundation. That's a couple things that I'm all about. Um, I don't like, I used to drink, I used to drink energy drinks on active duty when we were in. I crush him. I know you crush him. <laughs> you used to be like, man, that, that's just gonna kill you. I gotta, and now, have, I gotta have one vice. Now you don't have an drink, addiction. Don't smoke, fuck yeah. it. So you got another a couple of few vices. What's your what are your vices? Energy drinks. That's it. Guns. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have too many. Yeah, Pretty you boring. don't have many. Um, Killcliff.com, survival one zero. Save ten percent. Also, uh, we're gonna be talking about bug out everything. Not even just bugging out. I've been asked that question frequently, but also about bug out basics, bug out considerations for vehicles and bug out bags like blowout bags mm-hmm. um, but before we get into that let's talk corona covid19 mm. what's the latest and greatest you've been listening to ben shapiro shapiro um, that's have. one of your favorite podcasts i like ben yeah uh, he's pretty good podcast mm-hmm. intelligent dude but yeah. what, what are some of the things that he's saying about this whole thing so he, he's very much talking about look there's so much unknown right now but he's like at some point the economy is going to have to kick back on. It's just going to have to, or, or, or we'll never recover from this thing. So uh, I know President Bush, President Bush, President uh, Trump said yesterday that uh, at some point he would like to see people go back to work by Easter and everybody attacked him. But he's right. At some point, we're going to have to kind of follow, follow the model that South Korea is doing. Mm-hmm. Massive testing, quarantine the elderly who are really susceptible. Everybody else... That, that has to goes back to work, changes somebody. America will never be the same. The world will never be the same after this. People go back to work. They might be wearing masks. They might be wearing gloves. Um, if you have any symptoms, they'll get tested. Hopefully the test kits will be, be readily available. But at some point in the next couple of, you can't shut down the American economy for months. Yeah. We, we'll never, ever, we'll destroy it. And then... Um, so that, that's kind of what he's, he's, he's been updating every day. And again, it's very hard to talk about anything else but this thing because it's such a, a, a massive thing. This is the biggest thing that's ever affected America. Even World War II, the, the American public were not affected on, on a massive scale like this. So th- this, this is just huge. Um, but that's the question on everybody's minds. What's next? What's the next step? For governments, for local governments, for state governments, and for for the federal government in in moving past this, and we just don't know enough right now. I did hear him say either yesterday or today that it looks like this thing is not um, morphing into different strains right now, which is a great thing, right? Because if if you do get a, a once once uh, immunization shots become available and you get it, if it comes out of a different strain like the flu, it, it would still reinfect you. But right now, with the gathered the, the data gathered, it looks like it's not you know morphing into different strains, which is which is a big deal. Um, and again, we just don't know how many people around America are walking around that have had this and recovered and thought they had the flu, like you maybe, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, have it now but haven't shown any symptoms yet. 
So once the test kits get out there, the numbers of, of people that are, that are diagnosed with this is going to skyrocket. But that's a good thing because at least the test kits are out there. At least we know. There's a lot of people that uh, don't even know if they have it. And the really, really bad place to be right now is places like New York City. 10 million people living on top of each other. I don't know how you social distance in, in, a, in a, a beehive of activity like that. So that's the question on everybody's mind. What's next? And what's the plan for moving past this thing once we get test kits and we figure out what we're dealing with? Um, yeah, I know New York Today reported. So I, I got this app track tracker thingamajiggy, and this this tracks new cases, recovered, and then deaths. And it's, it's pretty accurate because I've cross-referenced it with other data sources, including the CDC. And it's, it's a little bit more real-time than the CDC's website. So in the U.S., Today already, and it's 108 Pacific Standard Time, uh, we've already had 99 people have passed away. The count this morning was 1,000, uh, and the news media uh, was reporting that as like, hey, we've already hit 1,000, right, mm-hmm. as a marker. Um, but it's already 1,152 uh, as of now, as of today, with 80,600 cases, which is an additional 12,000 cases that we added today. In fact, it tracks it by state. New York, as I'm sitting here talking about New York, has added 4,736 people just today. They're up to 37,769 infected, and then they just added 19 deaths today. So they're up to 385 deaths. I I think they're getting close to their capacity for hospital beds and ICU beds and respirators. So they're they're getting near that point where they're going to get overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, the biggest concern with this is... Look, I don't like the, I don't like the comparison to the flu because this this really is different, mm-hmm. and and this is this is ongoing, right? This is if you look at a traditional seasonal flu, it's measured from four to six months, mm-hmm. right? In fact, we're still taking statistics of the seasonal flu right now, which is a six month thing. Mm-hmm. We're new to this coronavirus; it's two months. Let's just call it one month because really is, for yeah. one month we've been tracking these statistics and understanding what it's doing. So if you just take the numbers as it stands now, we're, we might be close to the numbers of the flu or if not more, mm-hmm. depending on what happens. But, but it's much more infectious than the flu. From, from yeah, what the is. data that's carried now, it's, it it's easier to catch it from somebody than it is to catch the flu. Yeah. So that, that's, that's a scary part right there. Yeah. Pe- um, people don't understand that there's a, it's called an R not factor, which is a, 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 a fact. I mean, it's a, a, a math factor for a ratio, but it's in this case, it's how many people are infected per person who's infected. So how many was somebody being contagious and then giving it and spreading it? What is the number? So the R not factor for this is estimated to be two and a half to three or two point five to three point five. Meaning for every person infected, that person gives it two and a half to three and a half people. The R not factor for the seasonal flu is one point two. Yeah. So it's one for one essentially. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it let's call it one for one. So if you got the flu, you're probably gonna give it to one person. Right. That that's it. That's the mm-hmm. limitation. If you have this, the coronavirus, you're gonna give it about three people. Yeah, and they're gonna give it to three people each. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so if you look yeah. at the you know the Yeah, it, it's thousands the scale of people. Effect, yeah. Yeah. So so um the the other effect that's going to hit us very, very soon is Crime's going to start spiking, I think. Unemployment is skyrocketing uh, because it is 3.3 million people out of work, they're saying today. 
unemployment's going to skyrocket. Hopefully resources won't run out. But I was in Walmart the other day and there's a lot of empty shelves. The supply chain is still running. The trucks are still running. But the uh, the factories, in some cases, that are making this stuff, are, people are just not going to work, you know. So as resources deplete and crime starts skyrocketing, and some cities are not arresting people for nonviolent crimes right now because they don't want to spread the, the uh, detention facilities with coronavirus. So we're letting people out of jail. We're not arresting nonviolent crime. S- unemployment's starting to skyrocket because of this thing and resources are low. That's a recipe. That's like the perfect storm mm. for crime skyrocketing. So uh, if I was you, I would look at my internal security for my house. If you don't have some cameras, th- there's some really cheap, very, very easy to do install cameras that are battery operated that last for a long time. And they just tap into your Wi-Fi and give, give you some security and some situational awareness uh, around your house. And maybe look at that door and look look at look at your personal security and, and then your, your, uh, your carry options and stuff like that because crime is going to start climbing. I was at a buy to armor yesterday picking up the Triarch pistol that we're donating to Siri SWAT for their dinner. More than likely, that's going to be canceled, but they're going to still raffle these things off for Siri SWAT. Mm-hmm. Just pay attention to that to my social media because I'll, I'll help push out the word. I want them to make money for to support their agency um, in lieu of what's going on. But Abide Armory, Ben, told me that um, all gun manufacturers have no guns. Mm-hmm. They've literally distributed them all. They can't keep up. Yep. So more... There's been more reported new buyers of guns, first-time mm-hmm. owners of guns why, why, than ever I, in history. Why? If you, you you're coming to your senses right now, and you you know that the police are not going to be there, the police are there to clean the, clean up the mess in a lot of cases, right? So it's, you're just realizing now that you're vulnerable, and you need yeah. a, a gun. Well, your, sometimes it hands. takes that, right? Maybe it does. Yeah, it takes yeah. an ass whipping to realize maybe that you need to hone up on your physical fitness or your yeah. martial art skills. Mm-hmm. It, it takes. Um, something tragic for somebody to become a victim for you mm-hmm. to realize that that's why like I don't have necessarily have a problem with that I just I want to provide the resource for the right path right a guided path towards that like I did uh, yesterday um, and I'll, I'll put it on IGTV but I did a live feed on my personal Instagram Mike.a.glover and I said hey I'm going to do basic weapons safety Mm-hmm. How do you handle a firearm? What's the basic That's nomenclature? That's a good idea because all these new people carrying exactly. guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, and and I look at it as a, it's almost a responsibility. I mean, we're, yeah. we're both former 18 Bravos, right? Mm-hmm. Special Forces weapons guys. Our responsibility on a detachment was making sure our guys' guns were squared away mm-hmm. and that their tactics were sound. Yeah. And so when I look at our responsibility with Philcraft or even just as a citizen, it's like if you're trained, and you know what the fuck you're talking about. Get out there and help other people, especially in this lull time. It's like this is like this is like the weekend. We, we're all on a Saturday afternoon, you know. What I mean, for mm-hmm. an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Why not take the opportunity? You can get shit faced and then just waste away your life, or we could take the opportunity to cross train and take care of each other. I saw I saw a post on Facebook or something, and it was a guy like laying on his couch, some fucking slob, and it was like in. That, shit bag in 2019 and it showed the exact same picture and it said responsible adult in 2020 know, you know right? he's at home watching yeah. tv laying on his couch you it's know? funny it's yeah i went to uh the local which is our it's my favorite um local restaurant here um inside of prescott arizona if you guys want to check them out just look up the local 
it's a great spot, but they, they've been doing takeout and all the girls that work there, there's a whole bunch of waitresses. I, I just got some takeout and I asked them, I said, Hey, how are the girls doing? Are they hurting? And the obvious answer is yes, they're all hurting. I mean, mm-hmm. they depend in this small town with a median income of $46,000, people depend on food service yeah. uh, as a staple of survival for their everyday life. So I can't imagine you know, we're in good circumstances. We've reached out to the mayor and said, hey, listen, what can we do to help? Mm-hmm. And he's like, just stand by. It's not that bad now. Yep. But I can't imagine in a more densely urban environment where things are much, much worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have it pretty good here. We do. Compared yeah. to the rest of the United States. Yeah. And um, yeah, everybody's hoping that this thing gets wrestled on the control, at least to the point where we can live with it. And uh, in the next couple of weeks or months, you know, but... um it's going to get worse before it gets better. And you posted a document that you had, you posted, I think you posted on Fieldcraft Survival, but yeah, it was it's a, under it was like blogs, a, yeah, It was like a paper that was written by a doctor in 2007 mm-hmm. about pandemics. And if you, if you want to, maybe you'll freak yourself out a little bit, but if you want to go in there and read that, it's a really, really good read. And it was, it was written 13 years ago and it, it, ties into exactly what's going on now super like scary accurate you know but he put a statistic on there and he wasn't talking about coronavirus obviously he was talking about h1n1 or any other pandemic but he put it and i don't want to fear monger or scare people but he put a, a, a statistic on there that if everybody goes back to work let's say and this thing lulls down in the summer and then it kicks up with a second wave in the fall that let's just say 33% of Americans get infected, right? It's probably going to be much higher, but conservatively, let's say a, 33, a third of the country gets infected. And of those people that get infected, the death, the mortality rate is 1%. Now, right now, I think it's between 3 and 4%, but just let's say 33% get infected and 1% die. That's a million people. Mm. That's a million people die. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That really brought it home to me when I read that. I was, I was like, God damn, that's a, you know. And you can, you can uh, keep social distancing as much as possible. You can wash. You can stay away from people and all that. But at some point, like I said, we're going to have to get back to some sort of normalcy to 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 move on with our lives. And that, yeah. that's when it'll start spreading a lot. I, I I think the big. I mean, the hardest thing that I see happening right now is. We, with the the checks that are being released with the $2 trillion mm-hmm. um, uh, bill that was just, it just sent to the House just now, which is going to go through the House fast and the president's going to sign it. The problem I see in that is one, it's not going to make a huge impact on people. It's $1,200. Of, and remember people, like this is your own money. This isn't like a, this isn't a stimulus of some kind of money that was just fabricated. This is your tax money just being regurgitated back into mm-hmm. the economy and back into your situation. Sean Ryan posted a very uh, uh, a good question on, on his story post, and he asked the question, say, um, if, you're, if you're a small business owner and then the government shuts you down, mm-hmm. but you're expected to pay your rent to the people that you're leasing from, and then they shut you down, then, then how, how is that going to work? Because you, you can't be expected to pay for something that you can't afford when the government intentionally shuts you down. That that's Ben Shapiro was talking about that. He and he's like a big conservative, obviously, and he was like, "This is not a stimulus package. When the government shuts you down, yeah. which they have, they have an obligation to fund you. Yeah, it's an obligation. Un- yeah, package. it's an obligation until until you get back up and running. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't know how long you can do that. Well, exactly. You like, know, you'll deflate the currency. Give me twelve hundred bucks is going to pay the overhead for fifty percent of my business. Yeah, and it's not going to do anything. It's for mm-hmm. a month. By the time I get it, I've already, we've already been two months past this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sp- speaking about Phil Craft Survival um, uh, wholeheartedly, but I, we have been affected. I mean, training wise, we've had to cut down. Uh, training, we can't schedule or book new training because it's uncertain about mm-hmm. whether or not we're going to be able to train in certain locations. And the reality is, I, I think, I think the problem is we're not focusing on the high risk. Like the statistics, which are interesting, tell you exactly who's the highest at, at risk of mortality. Mm-hmm. Focus on that group, and then quarantine them. Yep. Right. Yep. And then let the rest of us get back to work. Yep. Then, I mean, that's then, the only way you're going to have to be able to do it. The head of the CDC, for example, went out against uh, President Trump because he did say, and he's re- recanted the statement, but he did say he wants to get everybody back to work by, I think, April 20th, the Easter Sunday. Yeah. And that's just not realistic. You can't put a timetable on it. Um, but he is coming from an econom- economic background where he's looking at his advisors advising him that the c- complete collapse, the suicide rate might be higher yeah, than yeah, the potential yeah. injuries. The economy corona. is life. It's it, the economy is health, you know. Yeah. And if you if you shut it down for months at a time, like people have suggested, the America that you grew up in is uh, is gone. Yeah, you know, it'll never be the same. Yeah. So at a certain point. Um, and, and Trump's going to get beaten up politically for this because he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. If he doesn't open things up, then the economy will collapse and we'll be in the depression. And in unemployment will be 50%, 60%. If he does, he's going to get blamed for every single person who dies going forward. Yeah. So he's in a very difficult political situation. Yeah, I'm very optimistic about the circumstance in which they put people back to work because I think there'll be a surge because people will be excited like, yeah. fuck, fuck it, we're going yeah. back to work. Mm-hmm. We're, let's spend money. Let's just get back involved. Um, already you see the, uh, uh, you know, the benefactors of the stock market, for example. You, you see yeah, that story yeah, with the yeah. four, mm-hmm. or they four Congress members? That oh, they sold all their stock. They sold their stock should, when they, they were in a... They should be put in prison. Cl- I don't yeah. give a fuck they're if they're in a closed Republicans or yeah. fucking... Democrats, they, they should go to prison for that. That's yeah. bullshit. You're you're losing insider information. They're like, well, I didn't do it. My husband did it. Give, give me a fucking on, break. Man. Yeah. Um, it's interesting times for sure. It really is. It's it's. Uh, well, yeah. leading it leading into the conversation about bugging out. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we've been asked. I've been asked more frequently. We like first of all, uh, understand that this this is not a result of the coronavirus because we've done this before. I've yep. actually done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my PJs, talking in my iPhone on a podcast mm-hmm. uh, early on in the in the in the uh, Phil Kraus Survival podcast. Well, we we lived it for years because you're always thinking about escape and evasion. And mm-hmm. if things come and I have to drop my rock, I have enough equipment on my belt kit, on my chest rig. I got my radio, my my weapons, my navigation. I got my first aid and everything. So I'm, I'm escaping, evading with with what I have on my body. If I lose my rock in a gunfight, right? So were we taught that in the Q course? I remember little segments of I it. was taught it in the Irish Army and it fuck in special operations in the Irish Army and it lived with me. The stuff you learn as a young soldier generally lives. So I, I will tell you, and I made my guys do this uh, in the infantry and in SF. We, uh, like they wore a battle belt and a chest ring and I made them have everything they need on there. A little bit of chow, can't really carry much in that kit. Uh, water, uh, pistol, radio, uh, land navigation, map and compass, GPS, a um, little bit of first aid. 
and, uh, you know, mags for your rifle. So if I get in a gunfight and I'm overwhelmed, I'm not breaking contact with a big-ass fucking 100-pound ruck on my back. I'm probably going to lose it because I'm fighting for my life. So we ditched the ruck, and now I have everything on my body that I could possibly need for, for escape and evasion for a week or whatever it takes to, to, to get picked up. So we live that religiously, and um, it, it just stuck with me the whole time. But I, I don't remember ever learning that in the Q course. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I I do remember. Well, one, you bring up the chest rig and then the battle belt, for example. The reason those things were invented yeah. was because of bugging out. Yeah, it was the advantage that if you got in a gunfight and you had to evade, you were not going to wear your body armor. Mm-hmm. So if you had Molly body armor and then you attached everything to that armor, then you would have to literally cut out your plates, which yeah. would be stupid. Mm-hmm. So you could ditch armor, bug out, and still have. Um, a recce rig or a chest rig that had your pistol, your map, mm-hmm. your compass, your radio, your uh, magazines, but the same thing transitioned down to our belts because we looked at it and we slicked our chest plates or, mm-hmm. or our front uh, uh, um, plate carrier because we needed them for building climbing. Mm-hmm. But then we started moving everything to our belt because if worst case scenario was we had a blow out of our kit, we still had the advantage of living and fighting off mm-hmm. of our belt. The ruck we had in Ireland, it was specially made for us, for, for the range wing, and I still have it actually, but I don't have the belt if somebody wants to send me a belt. But the belt on the ruck that takes the weight on your hips, which is absolutely essential when you're rocking and carrying a heavy ruck, that had a quick release on it. So it had my pistol on it, it had mags, it had first aid, but when I ditched my ruck, I didn't lose my belt. I had a quick release on the back so I could drop my ruck, maintain my belt, and that became my battle belt. So it had yeah. dual purpose, so I didn't have to have a battle belt and a belt to carry my ruck. It's actually a really cool design. Yeah, part of uh, breaking contact considerations for uh, FM 7-8, mm-hmm. I remember this in Ranger School, yeah. is how you ditch your ruck in a gunfight. Yeah, There's a consolidation and ditching of ruck. I remember how problematic it was oh, because... Yeah. You would initiate a gunfight. Everybody would IMT or individually move to cover and concealment. You suppress the enemy. You'd identify them. But you have your ruck on your back. Yeah. So you're laying prone. And then you're like looking at the platoon leader or the uh, your squad leader and going, are we dumping rucks? Yeah. Are we are we dumping them in, out? In a real gunfight and bullets are... Like you only break contact if you're overwhelmed, right? Yeah. If you're taking machine gun fire and you're overwhelmed, I don't give a fuck about my ruck. I'm trying to live through the next five seconds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm dumping my ruck and I'm running like a, a crazy person. But some dude in their basement will tell you oh, that's I know. not advantageous. Oh, you keep your ruck. Well, you can keep yours. I'm fucking <laughs> ditching mine, right? Um, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the... The, the advantage of displacing and thinking about the kit configuration mm-hmm. is it's not necessarily like when, when people think about bugging out, they, they aren't necessarily thinking about react to contact, no. right? The, no. the battle drill, no. because the circumstances, ha- they evolve and they get more complex. Mm-hmm. So you have to have contingencies and certain equipment lined out to meet all those parameters that fit them the best. Yeah. So like guys who take one rucksack, for example, and they say, this is my bug out bag. Well, what's in your vehicle? Do mm-hmm. you, is, is all the stuff in your vehicle inside of a rucksack? So then if you have to displace from your vehicle, are you leaving and evading, leaving your vehicle behind with all the equipment and then you have nothing? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a bug out in your house? Do you have a bug out in your car? Do you have a bug out in, at your work? Do you have a cache? Do you have because a cache? It, it seems far-fetched, but if I lived in New York City right now, 
I'd have a cache somewhere in Westchester County, in you know, up north of, of New York City, somewhere that I could walk to, right? Because me and you have lived out of rucksacks for weeks at a time. You got to carry a lot of shit. And if you're talking about shelter in the winter and clothing and food or water, that's a lot of stuff. But if you have a small bug out bag that you can walk a long distance with, you can move from cache to cache until you get to the Catskills or wherever the friggin' hell you're going out of New York City. But that, you know, you, you could pre-po a shelter and a tent that you could pick up on the way and you just get it, get some cheap gear, bury it and, and make sure you know where it is. And there, there's techniques. And we're actually going to do some some classes on, on caches. Um, but you could move from cache to cache until you get to your, your final destination and you don't have to carry everything on your back like a freaking turtle. Did you guys use caches in Ireland? We did, yeah, yeah. So what was the, what's, I mean, explain caches as the, like, what's the tactical advantage of caches? It's a way of pre-positioning equipment so you don't have to carry everything on your back while you go in. So if you're um, going into a position to do a hide, you could you could go in beforehand, get the terrain, navigate and all that, bury a cache and then come back out. And then once you go back in, you have that equipment there. Or you could you could put caches on your, your designated area of recovery for, for escaping evasion and stuff like that. Um, it's just a way of getting stuff pre-positioned um, so you don't have to carry everything with you. And it doesn't have to be expensive gear. It can be some, some food, water, shelter, um, ammunition. It, it, it could be stuff like that. But if you're fighting uh, and you're breaking contact and, and, and doing a grid uh, operation in a war, People use caches that way. They cache stuff, so when they counterattack, they, they already have stuff ready cache there. And it can be inside a house, and it can be in a lot of places. The IRA actually used caches really well, where they cached weapons and ammo and, and all kinds of stuff. So it was there when they needed it. And um, I know, because I looked for their stuff many, many times. Yeah. Gaddafi sent like six shiploads of arms to the IRA, and, and a lot of them got cached. Um, that was the through. first version of, what's that game that you play where you... You hide stuff and then you geocaching. Oh, geocaching! Yeah, yeah, yeah I've done that. I've yeah. done that too. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. actually pretty fun. It is. Yeah. Um, not fun if it's an IED. No, you think it's a geocache. no, or if it's booby trapped. If or the cache is booby trapped, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when, yeah, like the the thing that stands out to me is people mostly think like when we did caches and Robin Sage and small unit tactics and and special mm-hmm. forces, caches were there's a doctrine to caching, mm-hmm. and then people think it's buried in the ground. But there could be hidden in plain sight, yep. safe houses could be it, mm-hmm. P.O. boxes, mm-hmm. your grandma's house. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cache advantage is 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 as much as, the limitation is your imagination. Yep. I mean, when I think about caches, I think about displacing and not necessarily giving away the advantage that I have if discovered. Like I might have a, and this is... Like, I'm not going to do this right now, mm-hmm. but maybe I have it in place. You don't know. Mm-hmm. But you might have a gun, a tub gun broken down into different pieces. Mm-hmm. And each piece is at a different location because if discovered, if a gun's discovered in one location, it's a gun. Mm-hmm. But if it's like a piece of metal, it looks like a piece of metal. Like, mm-hmm. what is this? But if you're in a situation where you're escaping, evading in a known area or in a in a semi-permissive, good or bad situation where you know where the stuff is... You literally could assemble those weapons and then use that to your advantage. 
um, in breaking contact as yeah. part of like a strategic plan. Yeah. If you have family, you can leave, the, you can put a cache in their house, right? Yeah. In their garage. Grandma, or, hold yeah. this Mac 10, put it yep. in a Ziploc bag. I'm going <laughs> to stuff it in your fish aquarium. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at that fish aquarium Mac 10. That's I cool. Know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like one, I'm, I'm a big stickler for this kind of stuff because this was the stuff that the agency, the CIA, as well as special operations were doing. And it's the basics. Mm-hmm. It's like the foundation of clandestine communication and activity and operations. But it's still done. Yeah, when like, you're out there yeah. alone in small, and I mean small team. When I was in Somalia as a contractor, at one point there was three of us. And we had no backup. None. So we actually, we, we, we had... Uh, escape routes and we had E&E bags and everything like that because if we got overrun we had no QRF to call and, and you've been in positions like that where you got no, you're on your own man yeah. and you've got to think through every single contingency um, for bugging out and breaking contact and getting away from that area that, that you, I mean you war game the crap out of it yeah and that's like let me line this out too because your auxiliary network which includes people mm-hmm. you know and caches and everything else is an important mechanism in your survival. So a cache, don't just think about it. Think about it as a tangible good, right? Don't think about it as just food, water, staples of survival, ammo. Think about it as people. If you have a aunt who lives in the middle of nowhere, you could actually use her to facilitate everything that we're talking about. She could be the safe house. You could cache the food at her place. She could even be the unwitting eyes and ears of the situation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, aunt, whatever. Mm -hmm. Hey, what's going on? Have you seen any traffic? Are you guys locked down? And she's giving you situational awareness, but you're not involving her in your clandestine activities, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're designing an auxiliary network to do something like bug out, you're, you're developing a corridor, like a funnel of evasion and it needs to be mapped out strategically. Mm -hmm. And you have to have contingencies along the way. I remember operating in Yemen. Man, Yemen's the biggest shithole I've ever been on. Like mm-hmm. I've never been in a place that's that's like Yemen because um, I've been in situations where I'm I'm just driving around in my Land Cruiser um, doing stuff, and all of a sudden the cul-de-sac that I just went through, they just filled up with tires and they start burning them mm-hmm. because they set they're set up a blocking position. I've actually ran through Yemen's. Um, blasted through their tires and their fire and then they're freaking out and yelling and shooting um and that's how quickly or how volatile it is Mm -hmm. but that's a that's us potentially in the inner city like the inner city which is poor by the way um already impoverished by Mm -hmm. the way uh has a higher demographic of uh, higher crime statistics a higher likelihood of violence um the places you don't want to be that are adversely affected. You think the coronavirus is bad in middle America. How bad do you think it is in the inner city? Yeah. Uh, it's not good. The it's, Bronx, yeah. Yeah, the Bronx. You know, people are sitting there now going, that would never happen in America. How many people a month, two months ago, would have thought that the whole country would be shut down and people told stay at home? And you know what I mean? The I was told that. Well, I was told that. I see it in the, my comments on YouTube when I put yeah, out that video. They're like, yeah. that would never happen. Oh, yeah. You 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 called this early, man. You were Naysayers. all over this. Yeah, I know. But people should be thinking differently now about preparedness, 
about bugging out, about having primary and alternate routes out of a bad situation. I would not want to be locked down in New York City with 10 million people. I just wouldn't do it. I'd rather go up the up in Westchester, up in the Catskills and live in a fucking tent. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've been, the reason we're doing this, one, Derek, uh, Derek and Miller, our, our buddies uh, in California, he, he asked me the question. He said, hey, I might be bugging out here. If, mm-hmm. if we get locked down, if we get an order to lock down, we, we might bug out. Mm-hmm. Megan's a healthcare provider, so they can't leave right now because she's uh, critical in her job capacity. Um, but if he wasn't in that situation, he'd bug out. I got a message from another friend in Southern California, and she's like, "I if 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 they lock us down in this place, I'm bugging out. Yeah. And what, what should I do? I said, well, you just need to displace. Do you mm-hmm. have family and friends in rural America? If you look at COVID-19 and how it's affected this nation, it's more concentrated, obviously, in densely populated areas. It is no coincidence that the social distancing tactic in the contrasting spectrum is the most contagious environment that you could live in. When, mm-hmm. you, when you ride a metro where you're two yeah. feet yep. uh, within a person's bubble, um, you're going to get infected. Mm-hmm. And so there's no doubt that that's the reason why New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and these places that are closely tied to New York City mm-hmm. are grossly affected. What is your definition of bugging out or bug out? Just Because it's loose, right? It, it means is, a lot of things. It is. And, and it doesn't have to be. You know, ideally, you would go live with family, right? And uh, in, in, But, you know, I don't know if your family want you coming out of, a, out of the, the city where you potentially could could be infected, right? It, it, it's like I was supposed to go to New Jersey and train like last week, right? It got canceled, but I, I was not, I was concerned that I would go there, pick it up, not, not even know. know it, bring it back here, infect everybody and their families and not even know, man. Yeah. That, that's fucking scary. It's not like you can just do a test, you yeah. know? Uh, tests are not available right now. So um, I would not, like I said, want to be locked in with 10 million people in the city. I just, you're going to get fucking sick right so to me i would find somewhere upstate rent a house you know go 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 hang out for a couple of weeks if i could afford to ideally stay with family but if it gets really bad and they lock you down like i'm talking about national guard on the bridges and all that then then i i really would want to i'd walk if i had to to get out of that situation um i hope people are looking at preparedness a little differently now all you have to do like if you want to stockpile food and all that then I said all you have to do is buy a little bit extra every time you go to the grocery store and you'll you'll gain that and and it used to be 30 days supply right I don't know if 30 days is going to cut it anymore man because once the panic starts and we've all seen it already in in the grocery stores people are fucking stockpiling tp I don't get that um well, there's lines in New York I saw yesterday that are hours long to get into grocery stores really they just can't they can't Number one, they don't have the supply chain that's set up and established to supply people who buy in bulk, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So if everybody buys in bulk, and that's the problem, right? That's yeah. how the toilet paper thing got yeah, started. People are just you see people in front of you. You see people in the media. You see people on the news talking about it. You're like, oh shit, maybe I need to get yeah, it. That's because what if it I does. don't get it, I'm going to yeah. run out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's how it starts. That's how it starts, right? Yeah. You see one guy with fucking three shopping carts full of toilet paper and you're like fuck man yeah what am i missing but uh, i would it's hard for people right especially people that that don't have a lot of money and don't have relatives yeah. it's hard for them to just bug out and leave and go somewhere i mean it all costs money right um 
So, I, I, but I, I would try to figure something out. We're, we're, we're good here, but it's going to come through here as well. Once, mm-hmm. once people go back to work, the infection rate's going to skyrocket. And people are like, oh, we won't go back to work. You have to go back to work eventually. You, yeah. you can't shut the government down or Look, shut the economy down for months. It's, um, you just have to limit your overall exposure to the highest risk yeah. and probability. But some mm-hmm. people can't do that. I know. If you're, I mean, if you're living check to check, like a lot of people mm-hmm. in this country, and then you work at a grocery store where you're talking and engaging yep. with people a foot away from you mm-hmm. constantly, yeah. you're just, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, it is. It um, is. And, and look, ho- hopefully the healthy people will, will fight it and, and come out the other end yeah. and not go back and kiss grandma and, and you know, cause problems there. I um, This is a retirement community up here in Prescott. Uh, my house in North Carolina is a retirement community. Florida, the whole fucking state of Florida is a, a retirement community. Some places are going to get hammered because they have a very large elderly population. And and that, that's jacked up, man. I, I see people walking around Prescott with masks and gloves on. I don't do that, obviously, but... Um, if I was 65 If I was 65, above, I probably yeah. would. Yeah. I probably would because this thing will fucking crush it could be a It could be a death sentence. It could be, yeah. I think the mortality rate uh, for people over 65... It's high. It's somewhere like eight, above eight percent. But if it's if you're above eighty, it's twenty five percent. Yeah, I, I I heard. I think Ben Shapiro was talking about it. But he said in Italy right now, if you're over the age of sixty or seventy, like if you come down with coronavirus, they just say sorry. They won't give you a ventilator. Yeah, you just put you in the corner to die because they're just overwhelmed. Yeah. and they look at uh, maybe it was eighty, but they look at an eighty year old and and they're like, hey, sorry man, you're you're. Uh, you're basically going to die. Yeah. Italy got hammered with this thing. They did. And Spain, Spain had only a few cases and they didn't react and they had a massive football game and a political rally and then now Spain's the second most infected country in Europe. Yeah. It's getting devastating. Well, the problem with Italy too is a lot of the population smokes. Mm -hmm. A lot of the population is an older demographic. Yeah. I believe their population is 80 million. Um, But in addition to that, um, they have the highest number of people from the same family living under the same home yeah. because it's not like here where you just throw your, your mom and dad mm-hmm. in a, a hospice or retirement home, which is so fucked. It is. Um, but we don't take care of our people like that. Yeah. They, they live in the same different home. culture. Yeah. So if people are infected, um, then, then, they, then they infect everybody in their mm-hmm. household and that's the problem. And they weren't ready for it. Right. They got overwhelmed before they knew what it was. So they were kind of, we're trying to avoid being Italy right now. We're trying to flatten the curve, get ahead of this thing. So when it does hit us hard, we have enough hospital beds, we have enough incubators, we we have enough ICU beds. Um, I know there's some states right now that are turning whole hotels into hospitals, basically. They're renting the whole hotel in uh, trying to get ready for, for the hundreds of probably thousands of cases that are going to come up in the next week or two. Yeah. This, the next two weeks is really going to show this, this virus is going to show its colors and we're really going to see what, what, what the future is going to be. I think we're going to know so much more in two weeks than we know now, the same as we know more than we did last week. Yeah. The, the ranges for above 85 or 10 to 27%, um, Damn. for, for fatalities followed by three to 11 percent if you're 65 to 84 and then obviously lower the, the younger you are mm-hmm. but the problem is America a population of 330 million people has a population of 72 million people who are above the age of 60 
Damn. Right? So it's yeah. we have like a large part of our population that's old and we forget mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. That's why fucking kids are on the beaches at spring break. That's why people are in the harbor on their boats partying because they don't give a fuck. Those people at 80 and stuff, they're the people who fought World War II, man. Exactly. They're, they're the people who built this fucking country, I know. man. And, and yeah, we got to take better yeah. care of them. So I, I don't know if any... How uh, did we digress to COVID again? I don't know. What the well, fuck? Where are we? Go back to bug up bags? Yeah. So All let's right. let's talk about let's start off with uh, before we get into like courses of action of like the tactics behind how you would bug out. Let's talk about the equipment. Um, and and I want you guys to understand that there are a lot of complexities to this, right? This is not just uh, one answer or one solution. People ask me like, what should I put in my bag? And the first thing I tell them is, there's a staple foundation of things mm-hmm. that you should put in your let's bag. Let's come out with a list. That let's doesn't, let's, let's that come doesn't out with change. a list. We already have that list. Oh, you do? Okay. That foundational list of staples of survival doesn't change. Mm-hmm. But depending on where you live, we'll, we'll adapt your go bag. If you live in rural Montana, mm-hmm. where the temperature right now is freezing uh, in the middle of uh, spring, then it's going to be different than if you live in Southern California and mm-hmm. San Diego, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, it, it a lot. It has a lot to do with environmental factors, but there's some things that just are staples. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to do content on on videos and including this podcast about what things we recommend you should have. Mm-hmm. And you have categories broken down. Let's let's go through some of the categories that I believe are staples. Well, well let's talk of, about the bag first. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about what type of bag would be best for bugging out, you know? So if you if you laid on everything, or if you'd write a list of everything you want to carry on your back, it's going to be a 100-pound ruck. You know, it's it just uh, that, that shit adds up quickly. And we've carried rucksacks for, for years and I remember going into Robin Sage with a 120-pound ruck. That shit broke me off. We used to call, remember they used to call the Alice Pack the North Carolina Tick? Yeah. Because it sat on your back and it sucked the life out of so, you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So a good, solid pack. And then you're talking about survival. You're not talking about creature comforts. So I remember looking at a candy bar when I was infilling and go, I don't know, man, I really want to take this, but the weight, I don't want the weight. And it gets to that level where you separate everything, right? Your rucksack needs to be something you can carry. You, you, you'll you grow into your ruck. If you buy a massive ruck as a bug bag, you will fill that fucker, right? If you buy a smaller ruck, mid-sized ruck you, that you can actually carry, you'll figure out how to get everything, everything in there, okay? Now, um... A lot of separate compartments, a lot of outside compartments I'm a fan of because I can get at stuff without pulling the whole freaking bag apart, right? So a couple of good outside pouches. Maybe I can attach some uh, sleeping gear or shelter on the bottom of it but um, and then have water, right? So that's that's what I like in a rucksack. I like a lot of external pouches so I can drop it. I can pull out cold weather gear. I can put it on without digging through the whole freaking thing, right? Do you um, like Molly on your on your pack? Or do you like a military-style pack with a frame, or do you prefer like the soft goods version of that? I, I like a frame, and because I've I've carried framed rucks for so long, but I think I would go for a civilian ruck. I think I would steer away from the military-looking rucksack and just go for a, for a civilian-looking bag. Um, I, I don't want people looking at me going, "Oh fuck," you know what I mean? What's he got in that military ruck? I, I just want to blend with everybody else. So I would I would take a ruck and I don't know the, the, the leaders or whatever, but I wouldn't get a massive rucksack. I would get a, a, a mid-sized ruck and I'd figure out how to get everything into it. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. If, if you're, when you're looking at rucks, what I, what I love about the, 
the different civilian ruck versions is the technology that's integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good company that's doing good stuff with rucks is Tier Tactical. Mm-hmm. Jason actually designed a military style ruck that he converted into kind of a hunter style ruck, mm-hmm. but it's used for the jungles, the triple canopy of South yeah. America. Yeah, it's the programmer record rucksack for uh, for SF for uh, first group and and seventh group. And it's it's got some really cool feature where you can get soaked and it can bleed water through the bottom of it and all that. It's got a really light frame. If you pick up pick up a rucksack or a bag in uh, in a store like REI, and you're like, man, that thing's heavy. Don't get it, you know. Yeah. You'd be you'd be starting off with a light ruck that that's somewhat durable. What's what's your uh, take on a um, an Alice style ruck sack that we used to have that had the aluminum frame mm-hmm. and then the Alice pack? Small, medium, and large. Do you like those still? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the Alice pack sits very far back on your back, mm-hmm. and it pulls you. Like if you're walking uphill, it'll give you. It'll pull you. Like you, you want your ruck to be tight to your back with all your your heavy stuff close to the back, um, so it doesn't like. Imagine you're walking uphill, so it's not pulling you back down the hill. So. I, I like a framed ruck, but but I, the Alice pack, I've carried that freaking, we both have carried yeah. that hundreds of miles in that thing. I don't fucking like it. Yeah, but. when we build out this ruck for the content for YouTube and everything else, I'm going to use Tier Tacticals mm-hmm. version of it because it has a carbon fiber yep. rucksack super frame. Super light. Which yeah. is super light. Durable. And, yep. and, and that's the attention to detail that you need in a bug out ruck because you need to be looking at Every single ounce yes. versus and, pounds. And everything you put in that thing has to have, if possible, multiple uses. Yes. Right? Anything I there, Dual I need purpose. to be able to use multiple purposes. I, I we need to take a picture. I have a, I have a piece of equipment that I've had for since I was in the Irish Army, right? I've had that thing for like 30 years. It's called a Basha, B-A-S-H-A. And anybody that's listening that's British Army would understand what that is. It's a British Army piece of equipment, and it's like a poncho, but it's not a poncho. It doesn't have a big stupid fucking hole in the top of it and buttons in it. Just like a big tarp, but yeah. it's super light. You could scrunch it up, and it would fit in that middle pouch in your rug, in your Alice pack. Yeah. So it's really small, but it's fantastic for setting up shelter, for, for like cold environments, I've had that thing for years. I've done urban, I've done rural hides in it, and it's super durable. And I, I don't know if I showed it to you, but I'll, I'll show it to you after this, and we'll take some pictures of a great piece of kit. And I, I bet you could find it online. B A S H A. On the bag, though. Um, so, what is your go-to bag? Which is there a company that you use that you, that you're particular to? I have a five eleven tactical bag that I use. Um, but I'm thinking I need to beef that thing up a little bit yeah. more and carry a little more stuff because because I can carry a lot of weight. But um, I've got the necessities in there: um, first aid, a little bit of chow, water, um, land nav stuff. But but I, I, I'm rethinking it right now that yeah. I, I, I need. And then there's the bug out bag, and then there's the get home bag that people have have coined that phrase where I'm out in my truck and all hell breaks loose, and I need to move back to my house to get my bug out bag to move out so that that's a whole nother piece of it but but 511 have a lot of different bags and uh, you could probably they're expensive but this this is this is pretty important right you may pack it and hopefully you'll never ever use it but i i, I would i would buy a decent bag you know yeah so so remember this consideration for a bug out bag isn't like a 72-hour bag this isn't like a, a, a low-vis short-duration when I when I'm talking about bugging bugging out, what I mean is displacing from my situation yeah. and being able to sustain life, uh, 
on my on my feet, mm-hmm. right? This is displaced even for mm-hmm. my vehicle. Now that this might be a ruck that you keep at home that you maybe transfer into your vehicle, which mm-hmm. would be smart because you could be displaced from your vehicle from home. Mm-hmm. And I like to I like to think of that bag as the same bag, right? Because if your vehicle's at home and it's sitting in your driveway, you still have access to it. If that same bag is with you when you're at work and mm-hmm. it's sitting in your vehicle in your parking in the parking lot, yeah. you still have access to that mm-hmm. to displace. And so I always want people to think about what we're talking about bugging out is literally taking what you have mm-hmm. and surviving off of that. Now, is there a circumstance which, right, you're in, a, you're in an urban environment and they shut down and lock down the town. You go to get through a checkpoint, they say you can't go get to your home. Well, if you have your bug out, mm-hmm. you could bug out with your vehicle, but you have your back to sustain life. Now you just have the added benefit of having your vehicle. Uh, but you still have the ability to displace from your vehicle if need be. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about it in the context of how much shit can I stuff in a bag? How long can I sustain myself? And then all the factors and variables I need to pay attention to. Like, what is my what is my heart rate when I'm moving with a 120-pound ruck? And how long can I go? What's my calorie um, consumption? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, um, Mark Twight, did this research with Jim Jones because he used to do this professionally in climbing mountains at a high elevation. Mm-hmm. What, in fact, we ought to post that. I don't know if we can. I'll have to get Mark's uh, um, permission. permission to do it. But Mark had a, a spreadsheet, and the spreadsheet used to show the weight mm-hmm. versus the caloric and I think oxygen that you put out in order to carry that weight. Mm-hmm. It's a very good uh, spreadsheet. There's another thing called Nesbitt's rule. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's an mm-hmm. old school thing where they, they you can track how much, depending on your fitness level and how much you're carrying, how many miles mm-hmm. per hour you can walk. Yes, and then yeah. there's all kinds of variations in there. If you're going uphill, if you're going downhill, if you're... Um, you know, crossing bridges and all or rivers and all that kind of stuff. You can you can really nail down how long it would take you to get to a certain point. We need to post that. We do. That would be a good poster for uh, yeah. FCS. Yeah. So, how much do you think the average civilian who works in whatever that doesn't really hike can carry on his back for ten miles? Ten miles. Let's do twelve miles because okay. that's a good staple. Yeah. So I do 12 miles with a 45-pound ruck in two hours. Okay. I used to be able to do that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So we, we run, Not this, gonna happen. Yeah. Well, we run mm-hmm. the soft prep class. Yeah. And most, I would say 70% of the soft prep class is not prepared to carry a ruck. Yeah. Like 30% of how them much, train. How much weight are you putting on their back? 45 pounds. Okay. That's right? usually the standard for rucking yeah. an SF. And that's dry. 45 but, pounds is dry. Mm-hmm. With, which you add water. Water's heavy. I would yeah. say four hours. Um. Four hours for 12, four, 12 It would take miles. four hours for 12 hours. And that's that's probably the median because you're going to get guys that are five yep. hours. Yep. You're get people that are four mm-hmm. hours. You're going to get people that can't even move a couple miles. How do you mitigate not having to carry shit tons of water? Um, planning your supply routes via water yep. supply, resupply. Yep. Or caches. Yep. yep. Deliberate input of, yep. of that. Yeah. So if you're looking at a route out of, and I keep using New York because I used to live there, but if you're looking at a route out of New York City up, into Westchester County and up towards the Catskills that obviously there's streams and rivers and, and you just, you just, you don't have to carry all that water. You carry some and you can hit specific points. There's also, well, uh, let's go down the list of okay. the, the equipment. Cause that's part of the bugging out process. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a second, but okay. all right, well, let's, let's break it down. Let's start with water. Okay. Uh, so when me and you are in recce, 
our water requirement was we did 72 hour rucks, mm-hmm. but we carried all the water for that 72 hour op, which was yeah. dumb because there were some instances where I jumped into, you know, Utah doing a training uh, capability exercise. We had no water. Mm-hmm. So it, obviously advantageous. You're doing a free fall and you're going to carry a hundred pound ruck. Got it. Yeah. But there's other instances where we've jumped, I've jumped into Eglin Air Force Base mm-hmm. where there's water everywhere mm-hmm. um, and you can get water resupply via a, a container, a vessel, mm-hmm. chlorine dioxide, well, we, some kind we of... We did that in basic yeah. infantry stuff. We had water patrols that would go out yes. and fill everybody's canteens and, and, and purify them. Iodine you know? tablets, right? Iodine tablets, yeah. Um, so what's the minimum requirement? Do you remember the minimum requirement for us per day, per man? Uh, it was like seven liters? Seven quarts or liters? I can't remember. It depends on how much you're moving and how what the terrain is like. Yeah, but there was the a baseline. Weather. There we is had, a baseline, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it's qu- I believe it's quarts because we were doing quartz. yeah 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 which is twenty one quarts yeah not gonna happen that does yeah. a shit ton of weight it's like I think it's like six point three pounds per gallon yeah and there's two point something three mm-hmm. uh, liters per, per per gallon that's a lot of weight it is and if you blow it off you're fucking gonna be crushed and you're gonna fucking yeah. be sitting on the side of the road smoked and you're gonna you're gonna curl up in a ball and get hypothermia right so you, you yeah. need to think about water it's fucking huge it's the Probably the most important thing, right? Yeah, it, you'll absolutely. die quickly, especially yeah. for movement. Yeah. Because yeah, if you think about bugging out, you're literally—it's seven liters per day per man. As somebody's mm-hmm. sitting on this, but, but when you're moving, when you're moving out, you are, dude. I run, man. You, you're—I don't know if you remember this, but like when I used to do physical activity, I would sweat profusely because yeah. I didn't eat a lot of salt. Yeah. I didn't eat salt. I didn't eat sugar. I didn't eat garbage, mm-hmm. so I would sweat profusely. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like made of caffeine and sugar. Like I'm a gummy bear. Yeah, but but when we that like, was funny. That was I said I'm a gummy bear. Come oh, on, are, Kev. Come yeah. on, man. That wasn't funny. Come on, you're better than that, Mike. <laughs> Damn it. So uh, when when I was the first time on the WLC, when I used to do the 12 milers with them, I'd run that bitch the whole way with your pillow and your ruck. No, I had a full <laughs> ruck, fucker. But I knew when I'm get back, that's it. I can go chill, go eat chow, you know what I mean? If you're doing that constantly, it's not just a 12-mile ruck, right? It's the 12-mile ruck the first day, and then another one, and another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So um, water, and then you need you need a bladder like a camelback, because you'll forget to drink water. I do. I, yeah, I will run. I'm the same but way. But if I have a tube right here, and I'm, I'm constantly... If you have something cylindrical by your mouth, you'll put your wow, mouth on it. Wow, I knew it. you were going to go there. <laughs> oh, there's something here. Let yeah. me put my mouth on it. Like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. That's not a camelback. <laughs> That's not a bladder at all. <laughs> so so a bladder or blivet. Yep. Um, different containers and vessels. Mm-hmm. I like Nalgene bottles. Yep. Um, because I like they're reinforced. They're plastic. They're, they're easy to fill. They're easy yeah. to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about like how we used to fill one quart canteens mm-hmm. and streams mm-hmm. and ponds, it was a pain in the ass. I bet the army still have those one quarts, oh, right? They v- do. Vietnam canteen. They right? do. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing. We used to carry Nalgene bottles a lot. A yeah. lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. A bladder. Uh, I recommend mm-hmm. a minimum of 50, uh, what is it, 50 li- uh, no. ounces, 50 milliliter, what ounces. are the, no. 50 ounces, yeah, yeah, yeah 50 yeah, ounces, yeah. and then they had the 100 ounce blivet, which we, you could put in your ruck, yeah. the top flap of mm-hmm. your ruck, we used to do that all the time, right, we'd have a 100 ounce on the ruck, then mm-hmm. we have like a one quart or two quart on our belt or whatever it was, mm-hmm. was. But you need readily available water. Yeah, remember when you had the canteens on your belt and you, it was yeah, a pain in the ass to get to them? Yes. And you'd just be like, fuck it, I'm not I'm drinking. I'm just going to keep moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll drink when I'm done. Yeah. Dangerous. Then what, what about um, purification? Purifying the water. Purifying the water. That's, that's essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
let me just mention this because this happened the other day. I don't. I think I mentioned on the last podcast on on the walk with me, soft rep. Right, I'm mm-hmm. breezing through Facebook, and soft rep puts a post of a generic life straw, and they say uh, you're probably. And this is paraphrasing. You're probably hitting the grocery stores, and you don't have a lot of food. But remember, water is an essential is essential to life. Never go without water. We're selling this. Blah blah blah. blah. And it's a Chinese-made life straw. If you go on Alibaba.com, you can get that life straw for that fake life straw for ten dollars. Mm-hmm. They sell it for like thirty dollars. A real life straw is like twenty dollars. Mm. So they're using this opportunity as to you know to sell to sell shit. Um, I digress. I just wanted to drop a bomb on software because mm-hmm. you I'm hate not those a big, guys. I'm yeah. fan, not a fucking fan. You hate man. those guys. Yeah. Um, if you go to no, no, never mind. I'll just I'll die. Go to their Instagram and just look at their post. It's almost like a bot made those posts. Yeah. It's like they have thousands of followers, and if you look at one post, it has like ten likes, and the writing on it is like a bot wrote. Really. That's uh, yeah. it's insane. Okay. Anyways, um, if if you have the different variations, I recommend the contingency plan, the pace plan method of of getting procuring water and sanitizing water. What that means is a primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency. So different redundant systems. The first one I would have is a life straw, because if you come across a water source, you could drink from the water source and purify it. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of protozoa bacteria, and even I don't think it, it nothing uh, filtrates virus out of the water, but it's going to get rid of all the crap. So it's not going to give you the shits, but. The reason you wouldn't depend on that solely is because you can't contain it. So you can't take it with you mm-hmm. unless you suck it through the straw and then spit it into a container. So you need the pump um, modules or adapters to be able to pump it into the system. Now, there is another company that um, I actually have that I'm a fan of. One of these guys on Instagram is going to hook me up because I forgot the name of it. But it's a system where you it's si- simply like the life straw. You get it from the source, but you could pump it into a vessel. Mm-hmm. And they have Nalgene adapters. They have bottle adapters. That's highly recommended because you want to be able to contain the water, but you want to be able to sanitize the water as well. Mm-hmm. That can knock both of them out in in one shot. Mm-hmm. The next thing I would have is chlorine dioxide. We sell chlorine dioxide in our survival kits because it's a very safe... I mean, you could chew on it and you're not going to die. Um, chlor- uh, chlorine dioxide is a... Don't chew on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, the yeah. So, the 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 Sawyer, the the Sawyer um, uh, filtration system okay. is the name of it. Yeah. I have that one. Mm-hmm. I'll show you guys that on when we start doing this content. Mm-hmm. Uh, chlorine dioxide is a is a good one. Um, so is iodine tablets in Ranger School in the infantry. I mean, I was chewing on iodine tablets mm-hmm. because we didn't know what the hell it was. We're yeah. just like, this purifies water. We'll just chew on it, swish the water it from the like creek a swimming pool too. Yeah, yeah, in our mouth yeah, and then swallow yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but what those a, are important to have. What about I bug out and I use all my tabs and I'm still there? Improvised improvised uh, water purification. Yes. What, what, could, what so, could you use for that? So there's a couple techniques. One of my favorite techniques is, one, there's a difference between purifying and filtrating water, right? So uh, one of my favorite things in survival to carry, which should be a staple of everyone's go bag, is you should have a shemag, right? A shemag is a large, basically a handkerchief, a large piece of cloth. Mm-hmm. What they're good for is if you find a body of water, even if it's static, um, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. You mm-hmm. come across a static pond, you're likely to get sick from that pond. 
animals, depending on the proximity to animals, are drinking out of it. Mm-hmm. They're shitting. It's coming. It's there's shit in the water. You're probably going to get sick. Look for fresh flowing water over rocks. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to do it. Uh, Mother Nature in the mineral content is the best way to dilute and filter water. What you would do is it, take it direct from the water source if it's freshly flowing water. If not, a good technique is digging a couple feet. And, and survival experts will tell you that this, there's too many variables to identify with that because it depends on what part of the country you're in or what part of the world mm-hmm. you're in. So it varies, but a couple feet off the water source, you're going to hit a water table. That water table is where the water is underground flowing, um, but even saturated in the water. It doesn't have to be an underground aquifer, which is an underground stream. It could literally be the saturation content um, soaking into the soil adjacent from the stream. Mm -hmm. Well, it's safer besides the, the actual source that's flowing through there. You could use the soil content and the mineral in the soil to filtrate the water. So you dig a hole. And so you'll get a pool of water filling that hole. You take that water, you, again, you take this, that's why it's important to have like a Nalgene bottle. You take that water, you dump it through a source uh, of filtration, which would be the Shemag, Mm -hmm. allow it to flow through. An emergency version of this is creating what Mother Nature uses to filtrate water in the first place, or even purify water in some cases, which is... You, you actually take a bottle, right? And then you filtrate. The best version of this is you take like this bottle right here, which would be like something like this. You cut the top out and then you replicate the soil content. So you put soil, mm-hmm. you put rocks and gravel, you even put grass. And then you fill the water through, let it filtrate through the rocks, through the soil, and then let it come out the other end. And that is going to get a rid, lot, a rid of a lot of the large bacterial stuff that's in the water. But protozoa and microscopic bacteria, there's always a chance that you're going to get Giardia or something from that. Mm-hmm. One of the best techniques I've seen is filtrate it through that, then leave that Nalgene bottle, which is another reason to have a Nalgene bottle, in the sun for a period of time. And the survival guys, there's, there's d- depending on the elevation, depending on the sun, you're basically using the UV rays to filtrate the rest of the water that you filtrated through that process. The funny thing about that is you probably burn more water. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> uh, in survival, doing that whole process mm-hmm. than you would in, in, in drinking it. Um, but if you could find a fresh flowing stream, uh, that's or, the best Or a Walmart. Or a Walmart. <laughs> or or somebody that has carrying a one-gallon yeah, bottle of yeah, water. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about shelter. Okay. So, um, again, multiple techniques, and, and that, that basha I talked about, that can be used to, to capture rainwater. It can be used as a shelter. It, yes. can, it can be used for a lot of different things. Now, I will say that if you're going to carry a tent, obviously, if you've got a bunch of people, um, I, I like the little one-man baby sack. Super light, super small, stuff it in the corner and get you out of the elements. That's what we used in, in, in soft a lot. So I, I'm a fan of that. Um, when I was a kid in Ireland, poor kid, we went hiking. We were teenagers. We all went up the river to uh, fishing. We had no tent, but somebody had a big roll of plastic like like clear plastic, right? So we built a tent. Saran wrap. And we were, it was fucking, then we we all got hammered drunk on fucking cider. And we woke up the next morning, man, I thought I was dead. The sun came up and it like magnified that. And we were like in a greenhouse, man. We were all soaked. <laughs> That's awesome. You got plants growing off your body. <laughs> so don't do that. Yeah, don't do but that. From experience, right? But the little one-man baby, small, light, get you out of the elements. 
um, when you stop for the night for security, getting buried in, deep in the woods, away from natural lines of drift, right? Um, and and just cover yourself in camouflage, get in there, you can sleep like a baby, right? Because sleep's important too, yeah. right? Um, well, one, one thing that we thought, I mean, for people's context and understanding our situation, even as Green Berets, as Special Forces guys, our shelter was a shelter half mm-hmm. or a poncho mm-hmm. with a poncho liner underneath it. Yep. It wasn't... What's crazy is we di- we never... Even when I was in Afghanistan and I was doing long-range patrols mm-hmm. via the Land Rover, me and Neil would sleep under the Land Rover. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I think about it today, I'm like, why didn't we have cots? Or why didn't we have something... Advent- when we, I was in mech infantry, yeah. we had cots. Yeah. Because we, 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 we put the Bradleys in, in a, you know north south east and west configuration for firepower with the thermals and then all the dismounts slept in the middle on cots you know but the the bivy sack thing that's what we carried in ireland when i was in soft we would go in stop for a patrol base we'd all set up our bivvies pointing out with almost our feet touching so when it was your time for security you just rolled over got your weapon get your nods on pull security and then you 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 wouldn't even you, rotate, you, you wouldn't yeah. even have to get out of your bivy bag. Yes. You just nudge the guy beside you, and he rolls over, gets his weapon up, gets his nods up, and freaking you go. He back has to an sleep. AD through his uh, sleep yeah, fart sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing to to point out for shelter guys is you don't have to be uncomfortable. the 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 mountaineers and hikers of the world have done all the R and D and the yeah. testing and evaluation for the best equipment possible. Part mm-hmm. of shelter is making sure that you're off the ground. If you're sleeping on the ground, if it's cold, it's going to suck all the heat out of you. Mm-hmm. You have to create a thermobaric barrier, mm-hmm. thermobaric, a, th- a thermal thermo, mm-hmm. rest barrier between you uh, and the ground. Mm-hmm. And that goes for uh, uh, hot environments as well. Because if it's a hot environment and the, the ground temperature is over 100 degrees and you're running at 97.6 and then you sleep on that ground, it is going to elevate your temperature. You're going to mm-hmm. cook on the ground. So part of sheltering is also remembering that you need to create a barrier of insulation. When you do that also, and this is where I talk about environmental factors. Look, if you live in, in Alaska in the summertime, um, dude, the, the mosquitoes in Alaska are like crows. I heard, They're the yeah, size of birds, yeah, right? Yeah. And so they'll eat your ass alive. Mm-hmm. You have higher chances of getting infected of malaria, of other diseases, um, of, of just being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a mosquito Not being able net. to sleep. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. sleep, like you said, sleep is important. Sleep so yeah. deprivation is a killer. You'll make mistakes. It is. You'll fuck some shit up. I yep. want to be comfortable. I it's, do too. It's one of the reasons where I got rid of fucking rooftop tents. Yeah. When, yeah. I, when I realized after my fourth tent that there was no insulation, yeah. that the breeze flows through the tent and freezes your ass off. Yeah. And if it's wintertime, you are literally just sleeping on top of your roof with like a... Uh, not even a blanket with like plastic around you. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a big fan of the Summit, which has insulation. I could run a diesel heater, et cetera. Mm. Um, but you need to make sure that the if you're in a cold weather environment, that your bivy sack is rated for cold weather. Mm-hmm. Like I, I went to REI and I talked to guys who are smarter than me about ratings yep. for cold weather. Mm-hmm. And bags are rated based off of temperature in the negative degrees all the way to the freezing temperatures. Mm-hmm. And you have to get one that's appropriate. Mm. I didn't pay attention to this until I became, became a civilian and realized that I had options, yep. right? In the military, yep. we were given the black pa- pack of bivy sacks and bags and everything else mm-hmm. and realize, not realizing it was a piece of shit. Well, it was the, the, the three-layer system was phenomenally better than... Remember the old one we had, the Vietnam The green one? one? That was green yes. and it sucked up That's all the, the water. 
dude, that thing was a piece of garbage, yeah. man. You woke up wet every you woke, time you... Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. Um, and you had to put it in a trash bag because if it got wet, it, it tripled it away. Yeah, it, you and know? the thing was massive. Yeah, it was. It was hard to roll It was like up. taking George's like sweater <laughs> and putting it into a rucksack. It was like huge. Um, okay, so uh, shelter. What would be your recommended pack out or load out for a shelter? Like, What are your, th- what are your go-tos equipment-wise? What do you what do you mean? Uh, well, you said you said bivy sack, oh. but what? Like mine is a thermarest pad. I have that in my yep, go bag. Yep. Um, I also have a bivy sack. You can get those thermarest pads that fold as well, that are easier to stow than yes. the roll up one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, bivy sack or or uh, like I can get it by if you have a really good sleeping bag that's ready for the, the temperature. You can get by with with like the. the the poncho half, the little shelter that you yes. make. You know, it's easy. It has multiple uses and all that. I, I think those are, especially environments where it's hot. Mm-hmm. If you are moving, for example, during the nighttime and you're in an open environment uh, because you want to, you know, maintain your core body temperature, you don't want to put too much, uh, too much water out because mm-hmm. you're sweating your ass off, you have to have an independent shelter half yeah. that's going to provide shade, mm-hmm. which is going to reduce the obviously the temperature mm-hmm. separate from your 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 sleeping yeah, situation. Yeah, and if you if you set it up properly and you have a fire that's deflecting the heat off it, you can you can stay really really warm in, inside a, a shelter like that. Um, so I don't know. I like the bivy sack, but I don't know if I would. It's, it's it's light. It's not that expensive, but you, you're going to get to the point where you have all this shit laid out, and you're like, man, I got to drop some shit. I I, I can't yes. fit it all in. Yeah. And uh, I might fit it all in now in my house, but when I'm in the woods trying to repack it all, yeah, it's not going to happen, right? So, um, yeah, a, a good shelter half that Basha. Look it up. It's a great piece of kit. And uh, some bungee cords and some 550 cord, and you can make a badass shelter if you know what you're doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I carry a tarp in my go bag. I'll show mm-hmm. you guys that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because for my shelter, that acts as capturing rainwater. Yep. That's also signal because one side of it's like a VS-17 mm-hmm. panel. Um, all right. So what do we got next? Okay. Let's talk about food. Food. The food, water, shelter. Three yeah, big, yeah. The three big ones, right? Food. So let's talk about food. Um. So in Ireland, you only use potatoes, right? Because potatoes is a good nutritional we, staple of survival. We <laughs> one potato a month. <laughs> but the, we had uh, we had four MREs. That's all we had, and they, they were a twenty four hour pack. Yeah. So you had shit in there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? One of them was Irish stew. Shut uh, up. One was chicken curry. Man, how do I remember that? And I can't. I walk into the kitchen now, and I won't remember why I went yeah. there. You, but I can you forgot my name shit. at the beginning know, of the podcast. Right? You're like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we had four different, but they were actually really good. But what we did was we broke them all down and we added shit to them, right? So I can have that meal, that, that Irish stew meal, and then I can, there was a little container it came in and I could break up crackers and throw it in there and throw yeah, it in. Yeah, and be- church it up and a little. church it up, take, it, take an oxo cube. Is that an American thing? Uh-huh. You know the beef cubes that they cook oh, with? Oh, yeah, 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 Put one of them in and then fill Ooh, it up with water and I then like cook that. it and you've doubled the size of your meal. Wow. Because it's all about getting calories in, yeah. right? So instead a of A false just, sense of security, too. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and it keeps you busy while you're dying. <laughs> Are there potatoes in that stew? They're, of course. Oh, yeah, Of man. course. That sounds right? like good, good dude, stuff. Dude, when I was on Escape and Evasion in North Carolina for Sears School, dude, I can't find shit to eat, man. I was yeah. fucking like... You know, dude. I broke into a semi-truck and stole cookies and uh, drinks. We actually broke into a, a dude's cooler who was fishing while he was fishing. Wow. Good situation to learn. I know, there, dude. Right? I, I was like, is this we, we found a We found a roadkill squirrel and yeah. we ate it between four of us, man. It wasn't as cool as it sounds. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and you're only day one into starving. We, we found uh, deer corn 
And you know the corn. Oh yeah, there's deer corn everywhere, dude. I, you're, that's like rocks. It's, yeah, like, it's like trying like to eat rocks. rocks. Yeah. We boil that shit. You have to process it. Yeah. Nothing happened. I, I don't. I think that deer corn too. It only it provides a nutri- nutritional uh, content uh, by being grinded. Yeah, I don't I, even I, think you could boil. I burn more calories trying to eat it. Did than I eat I it? Got yeah. from it, you know. But um, obviously, like mountain house dehydrated food, yes. Uh, if you have it initially for your move, right? But you're going to have to learn how to sustain life by killing shit and yes. foraging shit and because you're limited, stealing shit, right? Yeah, yeah you're limited. Yeah. Like, um, like people don't realize you could go for a certain period of time without food, mm-hmm. and that time is typically thirty days. That's the book answer in survival, but it's been recorded as much as sixty plus days. Yeah, they. they the uh, hunger strikers in Ireland. Yeah. Some of them, I think Bobby Sands, who was the first one, he lasted like 63 days. It's insane. And he only drank water. Yeah. And man, talk about discipline, man. Yeah, People yeah. fucking refuse food. But um, so what, what kind of meals, what kind of caloric uh, content and what what should your meals be high in? So that that's a great question. I, I think I would, I'd take all my answers and solutions for for food uh, in my go bag from endurance athletes right mm-hmm. because if you're an endurance athlete uh, for example you're c- crossing antarctica via snow sled you want a program meal that has a good balance of carbohydrates fats and protein what you want is fuel you don't necessarily give a shit about what the the uh, the actual flavor of the content is and here's here's one of the problems of MREs, right? We grew up on meals ready to mm-hmm. eat. Most people who are in survival or the prepping, whatever, they want to go, oh, I'm going to get a box of MREs. What we don't realize about an MRE is, one, half the weight is garbage, mm-hmm. right? It's just mm-hmm. the packaging of the yeah. weight. Mm-hmm. Two, because it's preserved for a set extended period of time, it is packed in sodium. In fact... The proof is if you eat, an, eat one MRE, you won't shit for three days. And then you can't stop shit. And then you can't stop shit. <laughs> it's like if you ever pooped an MRE, you've seen the clay man. Yeah. It's like this clay figure and you're like, what is this massive? It's like Indiana Jones. You know those rocks in Indiana Jones? Yeah. that he, he pulls out those, mm-hmm. those little... It's like one of those rocks. <laughs> it's just massive and it glows. Um, so people think, well, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. It's actually not the answer. In mm-hmm. fact... Uh, one thing is endurance athletes, and two are are native indigenous people in places like Tibet, right? Mm-hmm. Who are get mountain guides um, and and uh, what do they call them? The uh, Sherpa, the Sherpas. Mm-hmm. Do they carry bags of rice mm-hmm. and bags of meat, dried vegetable or dried yeah. fruits? That right there is to me the best way to do it. Like I have uh, bags of uh, of rice mm-hmm. and. I'm Asian, so it's I fits in into my um, my stereotype, but it's also very easy to cook mm-hmm. and it's hugely nutritional and carbohydrates, starches that you need for fuel. Yeah, when I, I hiked Mount Kenya years ago when I was in Somalia, I mean, uh, we need to do one of these big hikes Dude, for I'm, survival. Psh, let's Dude, do it. Okay, Mount Austin's Kenya, in do, here too. Do Kilimanjaro. Here's mm-hmm. what we're gonna do: we're gonna pack our go bags, our go rucks. We're making this promise on Instagram, but also on the podcast. We'll pack our go bags and our go rucks, and we will live out of them for an extended period of time. You and Austin? 
No, me and you. <laughs> Austin's going to be eating Cheetos. For all you people that think burgers. it's cool to work for Fieldcraft Survival, it, it I is. spent the whole last week painting. I, right? I, I, I was told you'd be you shooting your, guns no, and doing no. all kinds of you shit. You were in your comfort zone. I was. Yeah, you were. Because you know what I told George? I said, I bet you Kevin loves that. And he goes, why? I said, because all his life, he's been in charge of everything. And so he's had, his brain has been cognitive yeah. the entire time. Yeah. For the first time, he doesn't have to think. He just zones out. He just zones out and just paints <laughs> shit and pets Pearl, eats some salad, some chicken, and paints. That, that's like a vacation for your brain. I know, right? It was, yeah. That one yeah. week of painting is worth one year of suffering for Phil <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to do that, uh, that challenge. Um, I don't know how long you get away for though. I'm thinking like a, a couple hours, twenty minutes. <laughs> Tom Malone's YouTube video is ten minutes, and four seconds is our optimal. But we'll, care, we'll do man. that. Man. It'll I'll be li- fun. I'll live in the summer. But we'll do a hike, mm-hmm. like with a journey uh, yep. intended, like moving from an urban area to a rural yeah. area. Let's measure something realistic from New York. Up, whatever that is, 10, yeah. 20 miles. I would, you know, what'd be cool to do is San Fran mm-hmm. because it's super urban, right? Mm-hmm. But then in the mountains, every, I've every over step there, out of San beautiful. Fran is uphill, right? Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful too. Yeah. It's beautiful. But where I was going with that, when I hiked Mount Kenya, we uh, there's huts that you go to every day. It's a four day hike, it's fucking phenomenal. But um, me and this Norwegian guy, we, we navigated for ourselves because we do it. But there was girls there that work for the Peace Corps and they hired a guide. And when they got into the thing, we had all these fucking dehydrated meals and everything. He pulled out a big slab of meat, like gazelle or something, you know, and a bag of rice. I don't like how you articulated that or demonstrated that That's right why now. I'm not on camera. Right? <laughs> he pulled, it out, he pulled out a big slab, slab of, meat. of meat. Okay, okay. okay. I like Man, the story. Where's the story going? I'm talking about how he lived up there and he hiked it all the time, but he didn't carry dehydrated meals. He carried meat. Meat. And rice. And yes. that's what he cooked every day. Yeah. It's um, because he didn't have a requirement beyond a certain period of time, right? Mm-hmm. But but one of the things too is you could look at it as fermented food. Mm-hmm. One, it's good for your gut biome. If you're interested in not shitting every five days with mm-hmm. an MRE, eat some kimchi, mm-hmm. or uh, or eat some something that's fermented, uh, like pickled, whatever yeah. you name you, it. You got to keep your bowels moving, man. You if have you're going to eat that fucking gut bomb MRE, yeah. you need to freaking yeah. Dude, I, when I was in Rainer School in Florida phase, mm-hmm. I, I was a squad leader, and this is a horrible moment in my career. I had my entire squad, and and I was I was a weapon squad leader, so a big, huge responsibility, last patrol, and it was cold, and then all of a sudden it got hot. Before we rolled out of the patrol base, I said, "Listen, we only have twenty minutes. If if the guys are going to eat, talking to my team leaders, tell them to eat now." And so all these guys were eating. We had LERPs rations, the long range patrol mm-hmm. rations. Yeah, dehydrated light. Yeah, lighter, they were. Yep. It was like a, it's like a wafer. But you add a quart canteen, yep. yeah, an yeah. entire quart. They ate it without it. They ate it without <gasps> it. Dehydrate like they were like motherfucker. Yeah. Four of them. Yeah, four out of the seven yeah. guys in my squad yeah. went down as heat casualties. Yeah, they're super dehydrated. Because it just sucks it sucked all every the water. Drop of water out of yeah. your body. Yeah. Luckily, they wow. blame the individuals because they're dumb. Because yeah. it's not like I said, eat these dehydrated yeah. meals. You go. Can't, you can't fix stupid. They, I, yeah. When I was an instructor on there. The selection course back in Ireland. I remember one time, like you're up in the mountains for like fucking a week, two weeks. You're in extreme cold. It's pouring rain. Every you're trying to get every calorie you had, and we let people take extra rations if they wanted to, right? Yeah. But I saw this guy eating like slim a soup, like low calorie soup. I'm like, yeah, why yeah. would you fucking take that? Yeah. You need every calorie you can get. Jesus. You know, like I, I guarantee you, people will pack their ruck, their go bag, and they'll put like. 
you know, healthy choice meals or whatever. What's that? What's that meal that's like like low calorie meal, man? You need calories. Yeah. The density of calories. You're, you're not there to look good, man. You're yeah. there to fucking live. Yeah. I, I almost want to conglomerate. There's some good endurance recipes for food. Like when I was doing this endurance training for this uh, uh, 50k, um, which I'm not doing now because the 50k got canceled, mm-hmm. which is fucked up. But mm-hmm. um, that's just COVID 19 for you in t- 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, eating high energy foods, you could actually do it and make your own mixes mm-hmm. and just put it in a, a Ziploc or have it sealed yep. and then it's ready for you anytime. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm actually working with a company, potentially we're talking to a company out in Washington that does um, nuts, seeds, granola, wholesome food, whole foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're looking at doing a proprietary blend for Philcraft for go bag ideas. Mm-hmm. Because I want I want to know exactly how many calories I have per bag. Mm-hmm. And when I'm taking in those calories, I want to understand how many I'm burning as I'm putting out. Because mm-hmm. remember, this is, you can get very analytical. I mm-hmm. like the analytics behind things, period. Yeah. But of all the times you should be analytical, this is when you yeah, should. You, should, you yeah. shouldn't just be like, oh, I feel good. So maybe mm-hmm. we'll, just, we'll just go with this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go yeah. carry a can of Spam. It's like, well, yeah, cans that's of probably shit not, is heavy, Cans man. is not going to work out uh, for you. The, the last thing I'll say on uh, food, unless you got more, is morale items. Candy bars, uh, hot chocolate, stuff Gummy like bears. that. When life sucks and you're cold and wet and hungry and just fucking demoralized, man, a couple yeah. of hot chocolate, a candy bar, that shit perk you right Dude, up, Dude, it, it's like when we, when we were doing combat ops, I remember, I can't remember that. It was a foreign safe house. And it was supposed to be the biggest target set on the planet. Like, mm-hmm. There were so many foreign fighters. It was on the border with When you Iran. hear that, it never is. Yeah. It's, it's the one where they tell you, ah, we think there's two or three yeah. guys there. That's the one that has fucking 15 yeah. motherfuckers on it. But yeah. this one we were taking, it's very serious. Like I remember we were like, we, get, we were going to get in containment. Yep. And then we were going to go to the rooftop and kill a whole bunch of bad mm-hmm. guys. We flew in on the X. It was like this dramatic op. And then we got out there and then nothing. And then we sat there and then we were up there on the rooftop for mm-hmm. like six, seven hours. It was just mm-hmm. like, we were like freezing. We had blankets mm-hmm. wrapped. I remember me and Jason on one rooftop, blankets mm-hmm. wrapped around us, freezing our asses yeah. off. And I just remember the small instances where you're like, hey, you want a piece of Snickers? Like, yeah. what? <gasps> oh. oh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I fucking hate the cold. And I've been cold so many times in my life and so have you. But um, Cold hurts, you know? Yeah. Cold fucking it's hurts. It's painful. It is painful, yeah. All right, what next? Uh, you want to move on from food? Yeah, I think... So the, 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 the answer on food for rationing-wise is you carry as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But out of all the things that you could carry, you're, the pounds that you apply to food has to be very well calculated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, it, and it depends on the variables of the movement. Mm-hmm. If you're bugging out over a... Like, for example, if you live in rural Montana... Well, you're going to be moving for a long period of time, but you also mm-hmm. have access to nature. Yep. But if it's wintertime, you don't. So that those planning considerations vary so drastically. Mm-hmm. I would say a staple recommendation is have seven days worth of food uh, of rations inside your bug out bag right off the get go. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything and else can be adapted. That could be a meal a day. Yeah, it you could know, be. We, we've lived on a meal a day many, Absolutely. many times. Absolutely. The other thing is uh, snacks on the move. Yes. Have a pouch somewhere on your front that you can dig in there, get some yeah. nuts, get some trail mix. Keep that keep that energy level moving yes. wh- while you're moving. It's good morale. Too. Your glycogen levels are very important. The bl- the carbohydrates flowing through your bud- blood is a fuel source. You don't want to get glycogen depleted mm-hmm. because if you zonk out, you, it, you're, it's going to be harder on your system to recover. Yep. So staying adequately hydrated and fed mm-hmm. while you move is important. I do... 
a carbohydrate every 30 minutes on the move Yeah, with, yeah. with, with a drink of water. Yeah. That's my, st- I've always done that for all movements with a rucksack. Yeah. I'll keep you in the fight yeah. and then it sounds stupid, but eat some chow before you leave, before you leave your, your, your stuff, your, your fat stuff face your fat before face. you break. Yeah. Don't worry about getting a cramp. Put the weight but, in your gut. Yeah. Put the weight yeah. in your gut. Like we did in Sears school, man. I ate everything I could I get did. before we info, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Put, put the food in your gut and then, uh, don't be afraid to drink water. There's a lot of people who've have been found dead with full canteens because yeah. they wanted to keep it for later, man. Your yeah. body's the best canteen. It, yeah. yeah. If you, if you, the, the idea is if you're thirsty, you're, it's too late. Yeah. You're already dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. to get ahead of it, continue to drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about med. 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 Um, trauma. Trauma pack. Um, like you're not in a combat environment, you're probably not going to get shot. Um, what sort of med considerations would you have in there? So I, I, one, I would always go with an individual filled, uh, first aid kit, mm-hmm. right? I, I, as a staple to everything that I do, I have one in my vehicle. I have one in my everyday carry bag. I have everyone on me all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have a compression bandage, right? The compression bandage, it applies the pressure around a cavitational wound, I would have gauze, combat gauze with a coagulant. Mm-hmm. Most people think that combat gauze in one bar or one graham cracker of it is going to work. That's not. If you have a cavitational wound, a gunshot wound, puncture wound, whatever it may be, you can never have enough combat gauze. Mm-hmm. But if it has a coagulant in it, it makes up for the absence of that gauze because it obviously it helps assisting chemically mm-hmm. the coagulation of blood. Mm-hmm. So a good one is a cup made by combat gauze um, and, and I would have that in conjunction with a compression bandage with a tourniquet. That is the minimal for stop the bleed for me. Yeah. I mean, you could be climbing a fence and get impaled on the fucking yes. thing, right? So is that first aid kit for you or is it for somebody you come across? Ooh, good question. So th- the consideration is you need to carry enough for you as well as for somebody you come across because, you know, th- the idea is you become the medic. Right when we were individual operators mm-hmm. operating overseas in combat, we knew we had somebody with an additional upgrade of care. Well, you're not on the battlefield; you don't have a medic, mm-hmm. you don't have a corpsman, mm-hmm. so you are your first response. So you have to be able to provide the first aid for others. Um, and honestly, it's a bartering advantage, right? If if you come across somebody and you're helping them, e- there's a situation there. You could be helping them, but you could be assisting the enemy. The considerations vary, but I would want to have that for family and friends most importantly. Yeah, I would too. I would too. I think strangers, uh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I'm not treating a guy I come across in a survival scenario. In a survival scenario, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm worried about me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So what about uh, what about uh, meds, prescription meds, obviously, as much as you can get your hands on? Yes. Um, again, good bartering right there huge horse um, antibiotics antibiotics so yeah i was at the store yesterday which is the the uh, local ranch store i was uh, getting chickens and of course you were yeah <laughs> getting, buying chickens <laughs> randomly but while i was there the guy in front of me was getting antibiotics for horses really which you could buy over the counter mm. and you could freeze now one of the disadvantages is when you start to move, you don't have it. Because you have to stick them up your butt like a horse? They are. They, yeah. It's, well, it's liquid, right? It's liquid form. It's not in a pill form. But there are cheats. There are means on the dark web to get antibiotics. Antibiotics are going to be one of the most important things that you can carry on you. Yeah. Because 
Look, I went to Ranger School for two and a half months. I got cellulitis mm-hmm. a month into it. Yep. And that's just a couple weeks in America from not having proper hygiene mm-hmm. on joints. And you didn't even like rip your rip your arm on a barbed wire yes, fence. That's or just something living. like that. You know, yeah, yeah. That's just yeah. Yeah, the, the human body if you're a camper, an avid hiker, and you've done anything for long sustained periods of time, your body falls apart. It does. I've seen guys in selection when I was in Ireland and they would get like welts on their leg and it would like just come out like pus. Massive infection. Oh, it was disgusting. Yeah. yeah. But it I was, got facial cellulitis they were recently. So they were so depleted internally of, of yes. nutrition and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, another thing, uh, which is somebody mentioned on Instagram, which uh, is good, is having um, foot care. Yes, moleskin. I was going to get to that. What's your foot care package look like? Moleskin is big, right? Especially if you're walking a long distance um, to to treat blisters, right? And uh, obviously, if you if you're going to be walking to bug out, you should have a comfortable pair of boots. You shouldn't be brand new boots that you you put in the corner and go, "They're my bug out boots." It's the wrong yes. idea, man. Yes. Break those bad boys in. Get them wet. Get get them nice and comfortable on you. Good insoles. And uh, moleskin is, is huge for, for, and again, you can use it for multiple things and you can barter with it, but uh, th- that that's my go-to is moleskin. It, yeah, I use I use Body Glide too. I've been a big fan of Body Glide ever since uh, West Virginia selection. It's for friction, huh? It's for friction. Mm-hmm. And that reduces, like I'll put, I'll, I'll put that on my entire foot. Like I just ran 24 or so miles the other day or a couple weeks ago and um, I just drenched my feet in it, not one blister, not even a hot spot. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not immune to it. I mean, I, I, my shoe size is 13. My foot's huge, and it moves around a lot. And in it shoe. swells when you walk it a lot. It swells, yeah. and I'm prone mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most people are, so having a foot care kit of some kind, kind is important. Mm-hmm. Somebody mentioned some, some, um, some different versions like aspirin, which lowers your blood pressure, which reduces the viscosity of your your blood. Mm-hmm. Something important too is beta blockers. Beta blockers is what you give. I know this because I kicked in a pharmacy door in Africa and helped my driver who had a heart attack mm-hmm. by giving him beta blockers because we Googled it mm-hmm. um, in Africa. It was like, oh shit, this dude's going to die. Yep. Nothing's open. The mm-hmm. hospital sucks. Let's kick in the door. And we gave mm-hmm. him beta blockers and he was okay. He recovered from it. Um, it's not like an end all be all, but it's it's something that you need to potentially look at. Have you ever kit. given Have you ever given stitches to anybody? I have. I have not, yeah. but I I think in a in a survival situation, Ooh, maybe a needle kit, and thread, yeah. like a stitch kit for a surgical stitch kit, yes, would probably be a good idea, right? Because yes. you're shit out of luck. Yeah, you got a slice in your fucking arm and leg or whatever. No, that's the, maybe suture, clean, yeah, suture clean it kit. and suture that shit. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, uh, and maybe we have Chris or somebody maybe teach. Yeah. Yeah, part that, of, yeah. As part of this whole thing, all the content that we're talking about needs to be needs to be further discussed in context, yeah. right? In details. Mm-hmm. One of the things you, you have to understand about a, like a closed wound is um, most of the time, like if, uh, they'll seal the top of the wound with sutures and they leave it open, mm-hmm. right? And they don't have the ability to flush that wound. That's why. Like, oh, when if I, it's infected, you if mean? If it's infected. That happened to me. Yeah. I, I got hit on the range with a ricochet. And it, that, that scar on my arm, and then yeah. it ricocheted and went into my stomach, yeah. and it got infected. 
and they cut me open and dug the bullet out. But because it was infected, I had to do a wet to dry dressing. Yes, yes. I had to stuff gauze in it for like a week yeah. and pull all that infection. It's like a dog bite. You can't yeah. close a dog you bite and, and seal in all that infection. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's. A, I had that with an abdominal obstruction. Like I had my whole abdomen ripped open, but, but for months my mm-hmm. gut was open. That's crazy. I could yeah. look inside of myself. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Uh, yeah. But that's the way it has to mm-hmm. uh, seal because if not, you run the... the uh, the danger of being septic and then you know that's one thing you don't want to mess with like yeah. a blood infection or a or a bacterial infection in your yeah. body will kill you There's so many things i one of one of our guys <coughs> got shot in somalia in the, in the hand and we we no medical facility we took him to the, the somali hospital right uh, oh my god yeah and they they asked him can you take pain and he said yeah this guy was a fucking hard he was an sas guy he was a hard case brit right just fucking football hooligan type right he was like yeah i can take pain they start stitch they, well first they pulled out a needle and tread that was soaking in alcohol that they'd used on somebody else oh and like, my god and he was like you're not fucking sewing me with that mate you know yeah uh, they, they they were like oh shit this guy's gonna beat my ass so they pulled out a clean one and opened it up and then they stitched his fucking hand with no anesthetic and he said it was the most fucking painful thing he ever got. Oh my yeah, gosh. yeah. It grazed his, his index finger, right? And it wasn't a, a really bad wound, but it was bad enough in Africa, right? That yeah. you're going to get an infection quickly. So um, maybe some way, even plastic stitches for closing a wound Staples, would be yeah. a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you have to remember, like the the bacterial onset of those type of things happening, getting infecting in normal environments is high. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're in the middle of the woods yeah. and then you have to go go through that. I, I, I like, <coughs> there's so much shit out there. I scratch my cornea in selection and SF selection. That shit hurt like a bitch. I looked like you had PRK. I couldn't look at my head. I was land having one eye. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. on that uh, April 5th, uh, I believe the class is already full, but I'll be doing some content on this. April 5th, Dr. Carissa, uh, KJ, mm-hmm. she will be teaching a herbal medicinal uh, class where you take plants, mm-hmm. which 40% of all pharmaceuticals are derived from plants. Mm-hmm. You take the plants and then you turn them into tinctures. And those things are super advantageous for pulling out infections out of wounds, um, you know, for, for, uh, what do they call them? The wraps or the, mm-hmm. the moist. Poultice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my mom doing that when we were kids, she'd make a bread poultice and it would suck the infection out of the Did wound. Did you ever use a potato poultice? No. Come on, man. You fun. need a new fucking That's joke. all I got, man. Yeah. That's you and kimchi and rice. That's yeah, all you got for yeah. me. I got plenty on you. Jeez, but man. I, I'm glad to see Carissa doing that. Cause that's a lost art. Yeah. Plants for medicinal purposes, and then improvised medicine. We really need to get into that too. Yeah. Um, We're doing a but, bonus class after that class of jarring and canning as well. Nice. It's going to be. And, yeah. uh, Austin's already planning to film that one, so you guys will get uh, another class on. Uh, I did the last class of jarring, and I jarred, uh, I believe, six jars of cucumbers into garlic, um, dill pickles. And then went on the Go Rig Challenge and ate them in the first day. <laughs> I, I tasted, I smell like garlic for, for a week and mm-hmm. living out on my truck. All yeah. right, what's next? All right, moving on from med. Uh, da, 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 I made some notes here. Clothes. Let's talk clothes. about clothes. Like, yeah. You got your bag, you're moving. What are you putting Most in? people would not, I've seen layouts. Most people don't even consider clothes. Man, you need a couple of things. You need socks. Yeah. You, know, you need socks. You need uh I would carry spare pants because I don't want to rip my fucking pants and have nothing. I have to, T-shirts. I have to kill someone to get their pants. Light wick away T-shirts. Wet, wet, yeah, wet weather jacket maybe. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not a big fan of wet weather pants. I don't like walking in them. I'd almost like, like to get a, a longer jacket and let the rain run off and wet the bottom of my legs, you know? Yeah, layers um, is key, right? Layers is key. Trapping that heat between layers for uh, hot and cold weather is absolutely uh, crucial. Uh, but but clothing gets um, gets heavy, right? And I wouldn't I wouldn't carry spare boots. I get a good pair of hiking boots. And um, would you go Gore-Tex or no? I'd go Gore-Tex boots. Yeah, yeah. Um, Merrells or something. I you know I've had, I've had a couple of really good soft boots. We wore them in combat when we were running around uh, those Merrell high top boots that'll protect yeah. your ankle a little bit. Yep. I, I I think when I think about this and I'm 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 trying to sleep at night and I'm trying to think about it. Um, I, I, you've really, really got to protect your asset and, and you are the asset, right? You've really got to not get hurt Yeah. because you're fucked if you get hurt, you know, even no a, extreme risk. Yeah. No extreme risk. B- 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 take it real easy crossing fences and all that kind of stuff. So, um, a breakdown though, let's start from the head, head going down. Yeah. Beanie cap. Absolutely yep. crucial, right? Cold weather, yep. yeah. Um, a lot of heat is escaped through your yep. through your noggin, so mm-hmm. you need something to carry, cover your ears, your head, yeah, yep. and yep. trap in the heat. Mm-hmm. The neck gaiter, those <coughs> neck gaitered things, yes, great, great for for cold weather. Yep. Um, the couple of layers, you're you're much better off with three layered t shirts than a heavy shirt, right? Because the yep. air won't get trapped in between. And then you can just peel off layers and put back on layers as you go, uh, as the weather changes. A or base layer like, and then multiple layers of mm-hmm. thin wick-away clothing. Yep. Wool is a good one to mm-hmm. have. Um, There's a company called XGO that makes wishes to work for them. They make really good layers like that. Fantastic. Um, give them a little plug. Uh, gators are really good for... Tro- crossing shit, high grass, wet areas. I don't know if you've ever uh, worn used gators. gators in yeah. West Virginia. Gators are and destroy for, them for that terrain. Yes. Those, those, that go, those gorse bushes and stuff. If like I didn't that, have those, they would have destroyed you my legs. Up. Yeah, yeah, they tear you up. Um, good boots, good pair of pants. Um, what what pants do you recommend? <coughs> my favorite pants are the pants that I'm wearing right now. They're cool. I wear cool pants because I, I tear I them up. On. They're durable. Yeah. Yeah. But these pants, I can't remember the exact model of them, mm-hmm. but they're real lightweight. Mm-hmm. Favorite pants, man. I want to get a pair of cry, like cry pants like we have. like the, It's civilian the, color? It's civilian color, and it looks somewhat normal. Would That's, you bug out in a military-style uniform? No, or I wouldn't. I'd be in civilian clothes. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I wouldn't. No I wouldn't cotton. Want, I don't want to draw any attention to myself at all. Yeah. You know? yeah. No cotton? Um... Yeah, probably not. Yeah. yeah, cotton kills, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what uh, about socks? What are your favorite socks? I don't know. Smart I've wool. got a smart wool. There you yeah. go. Yeah, That's I've got what a I bunch use. of those. Yeah, um, I have a lot of different socks because we used to get them for tests in my old job. And uh, But I have some smart wool socks that are absolutely fantastic. Go-to shoe for me, too, is Solomon's. I wear Solomon's most mm-hmm. of the time. I have like yeah. 50 pairs of them. Yeah. But I've tested them all. Yeah. I actually wore the first pair of Solomons that were issued by Usasak in 2010 on, yeah. uh, into Afghanistan. Yeah. And we had Solomons. Are they high top ones? Yes. Or, yeah. You see, yeah. I have to have ankle support. I have a bad ankle. Yes. I got to have ankle support. And again, like if in those environments where it's it, you're bugging out. Mm-hmm. So the consideration is not necessarily comfort um, when you're in your office space or yeah. when you're commuting in urban environments. Mm-hmm. It's 
what is going to get you through difficult times and uneven, unknown, austere terrain. Mm. And you need to be prepared for that. So if you have a low top, you're not prepared for that terrain. Mm -hmm. If you have a high top, you're prepared for all terrain. And people will be like, I go hiking with low tops all the time. Well, you're probably not carrying 50 pounds of gear. Yes, or walking through bushes and nasty shit. Or walking downhill where all that energy goes to your knees and your ankles. Yeah. And uh, you blow out a knee. Or yeah. an ankle, boom, you're in for a rough if, time. If you're in California, if you're in Cali or even Nevada, even here in northern Arizona in high elevation, if you wear low ankle anything and you're off the trail, yeah, you have prickly, uh, uh, what is it called? Not prickly pear, but uh, uh, what are those oh, things yeah, called? Oh, yeah, those little fuckers. They pull them out of dogs. Everywhere. Like yeah, the Pearl yeah. had them embedded in her everywhere she went. Yeah, yeah. But those are rampant, mm-hmm. right? That's why... That's why everybody in Northern California, nobody lives or hikes or moves in that terrain that's beautiful and majestic from the roadside, mm-hmm. especially near San Francisco, because all that will eat your ass alive. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, Pearl's gotten them before, but little infections, and you'll get little tiny infections all over your body from getting poked and prodded by that stuff. Gators and high top boots, mm-hmm. super important. Yeah, what about gloves? I'm a, Look, I have to have gloves. Like I, I've... I remember when I was an assaulter in B23, I used to always say, I'm not wearing gloves. In fact, when me and you were operating yeah. together in 06. Because we, like, wanted, we wanted the dexterity, the right? Dexterity. We're, we're like freaking putting yeah. charges on doors. But I cut my hands and, every time. Yeah, yeah, and you're grabbing prisoners and they're fucking filthy yeah. and nasty. Yeah. And, yeah, Punching yeah. dudes in the face or the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why those gloves with the, with the hard knuckles on yeah, them. Yeah, my motorcycle gloves. I love those oh, fuckers, man. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It was really easy to do stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I like... Uh, a lightweight, a light pair of gloves that act as the inner shell for outer shell gloves. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm wearing those, I know I'm protected, um, creating a little insulation. My hands are good. But if I have to upgrade to a, a more aggressive uh, shell, I can, mm-hmm. and I can handle things. Like yeah. I, could, I could even use it to get around obstacles, busting through glass, mm-hmm. uh, pushing down Constantina wire, all kinds of applications yeah. with good gloves. Yeah. You, you yeah. need it, especially when bugging out. Yeah, what's that, uh tube thing that tear makes that you can stick your hands in it's like woolly on the inside for cold weather yes What's that thing they're, called? The, they're called qb sleeves but they're, they? they're quarterback sleeves they're really badass you can put yeah. your hands in them and keep them warm while you're moving you'd even have a gun in there yes if you wanted to i love those yes yeah. i got through uh, uh contractor training with the vetting because mm-hmm. i went through in wintertime with those if i didn't have those because you could stick a hand warmer yeah, in them yeah. and, and bake your hands yeah. to be able to get dexterity mm-hmm. super important and you can still have gloves on but that have good dexterity so you pull your hands out you can work things you yeah. can pick locks or whatever you need to do yeah. okay um but you do need to have some clothes with you yeah yeah spare clothes are important mm-hmm. all right let's go to we get to that one last fire mm. do fire let's go to bartering mm-hmm. Let's go to, okay, we'll go to there. What would you bring to barter? I was thinking about this yesterday. I actually, for some reason, mm-hmm. I had a lot of cash in my pocket and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go and buy gold. And I thought if I bought gold, that would be advantageous. Mm-hmm. Then I thought about SOG, right? Early SOG days and early agency days. Mm-hmm. You're talking Cold War. We're talking China, yeah. Burma. The, the gold, first gold coins yes, and all that. The, yeah. The bullion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is so funny we carried cash in i don't know if your we team did. did it in yes. afghanistan we carried the blood you, shit yeah. yeah on kish you carried blood shits and cash yep i think we had a thousand dollars in cash yes. on my kit if i had the e and e i could i could bribe some fuckers or you can get dvds at the bazaar yeah but afghanistan's the capital of bribing people so it is it works, well, well people you know. don't and I, I dealt with this intently in libya with commerce 
uh, I became a contractor um, and doing independent stuff in Libya, even after the military. I spent almost a year there. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was in a State Department commerce brief in Washington, D.C. High influential people. Tiger Swan was there. I was there, a couple small companies. And they, they were talking about corruption. Mm-hmm. And they said, we have to instill anti-corruption practices in this it's business. part of the event. culture, I was man. like, dude, it, it's they, part they of live the on culture. the Mediterranean. Yeah. They've yeah. been bartering with the Romans, with Alexander yeah. the Great. For a fucking millennia, the man. The tribulations, yeah. that's their, yeah. that is the means of, it's not even only a means of commerce, but it's a, it's a means of culture. Yeah. It's, it, it's it, so exciting yeah, yeah, for them yeah. to wake up in a bazaar and barter with yeah, people. Yeah. I would go into bazaars, and I'm a master barter because I'm an eBay expert, mm-hmm. um, but I would go into these bazaars and the guy would be like, $1,000 for that rug. And you'd be like, I'll give you 20. I'll give you 20. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, listen, and we'll talk about family, talk yeah. about religion, and we'll joke and laugh. Yeah, I yeah. say, if you ever accept 20 bucks, if you accept $20, God will be with you. And I'll just joke <laughs> around and then I'll walk away and they say, sir, sir, $25. And I'm like, I'll meet you in the middle at $22. Sold. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. did you just start at $1,000 in your 20? Yeah. Yes. But some that's, people pay 1000 because yeah, yeah, they do. And yeah, they love the barter. They yes. love the they love the two and three and all that. The game. I love it they too. They love I know you do. I know too. you do. That's why you um, buy shit all the time. Gold gold Rolexes mm-hmm. were important in that time period because it was a means of communication, mm-hmm. but it's also a means of telegraphing what you have and your capability, good and bad, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but gold watches were, were, were leveraged more in bartering, I think, because of the dual purpose, mm-hmm. right? It's a watch, but it's also gold. Yeah. You know, gold is a precious commodity in technology, integrated in technology and circuitry all over the world. It's an actual resource mm-hmm. for a lot of things. It's the conduit between in electricity. So it's important. Is it the best bartering mechanism? Well, over cash? Yeah. I would say over cash, it is because cash is just paper when the government collapses. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck about yeah. cash. Yeah. It, it, it would, ammo would be a good bartering tool, but I don't want to give away my ammo. I know. You know? I think but, about every round yeah. is a, uh, a resource. Yeah. Because I'm killing somebody and taking their shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What would be in your bartering? Uh, you know, I was thinking cash too, but then I was thinking, uh, yeah, if the government collapses, that shit ain't going to be worth anything. I remember paying. Was it Afghanistan? No, it was in Somalia. I remember paying our guards in cash, and you would fill this table with stacks of cash to pay our indage. It was like twenty bucks. Yeah, it was garbage. It was. Yeah. You wouldn't. Be, I mean, it come in handy for toilet paper because there'd be no toilet paper, right? Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, like in Libya, when the dinar yeah. when it went away because uh, it was had Gaddafi's head on it. Yeah. Then what was cash? Mm-hmm. Well, that cash was worthless. Mm. So what are you going to do to barter? Yeah. And I think. The, the best bartering is what people need yes. in a time of crisis. Yeah, but you got to think about weight too, yes. right? You can have gold yeah. coins. That shit is heavy. Yeah. Ammo is heavy, you know? Yes. Uh, cash is very, very light. Yeah. But I don't know if it'll be worth anything. Yeah. Um, I, I think about bar like when I, when I actually think, whenever I get wads of cash, right? Mm-hmm. It's off the books. So this is my Green Beret mind working. I think instantly go buy a gun. Because to, when people ask me like, hey, what do I prep? I don't show them all the guns I have because I have a lot of guns. Yep. But guns to me, one, they don't depreciate, mm-hmm. right? Guns mm-hmm. rarely depreciate. Two, it's a means of self-defense and, and survival. And three, um, when all the gun manufacturers stop and cease and, and desist, it's what happened in Afghanistan where there was an influx of guns. 
you can get a guy, a blacksmith down at the local bazaar hammering out a gun. How effective is that gun? Mm-hmm. Not effective at all. Mm-hmm. But so that it's limited in its actual resource. Once steel becomes a, a scarcity, the manufacturers aren't making them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like right now, all the guns that are in circulation are all the guns in circulation because the manufacturers can't manufacture anymore because they've exceeded the demand, right? There's or they've exceeded the supply. The mm-hmm. demand is outrunning it. So I, I'm a big fan of guns, but like you said, you can't and carry a shit ton of guns with. I, them. I think meds would be a good one too. Mm. Antibiotics, all kinds. Narcotics because you're just getting narcs, high on the trail. Dude, I'll be swallowing that shit. It'd be great. <laughs> but um, I, I think all kinds of meds and. Uh, so even if you have access to meds for a Z pack, something that you don't have, right? Yeah, you can grab that shit, man. Good weight, good bartering. Yeah, it's light. It's, it's easy to it, store. It's life for somebody. Yeah. How, really what would is. they give up if you're yeah. bartering, like for blood pressure medication yeah. or whatever? Yeah. 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 I got I got herpes in the field. I got some. I got a Z pack. <laughs> herpes can't get knocked out. Syphilis. That's a good one. Did you just say you got herpes in the field? You better clarify that. No, 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 no I didn't. No, you yeah. can't. No, not, not me. <laughs> um, but if you, seriously, like those small little things that mm-hmm. that can compound themselves and kill you, versus having a pill that yeah. will save you. Yeah. Like zithromycin. Yeah. It automatically knocks out any bacterial infection. Mm-hmm. Gone. Yeah. So I think that's probably the best one right there. Yeah. Given given that cash may or may not be worth anything. Yeah. Morale, um, health, wellness. Yeah. Those are the big ones. Yeah. 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 All right. Moving on. Let's talk about... Why do you keep skipping over fire? Uh, you want fire? Let's okay. do fire, man. Let's do fire. Uh, boom. Fire. Fire starter. Big lighters. Big dog. lighters. Let's go. All, like a hundred of them. Dude, like in my shoes and everything. Yes. I, I, I don't understand people. Look, if you're rubbing... If you're using friction as a means to make a fire... You're fucked. Yeah. Like you have fucked up. You made some bad decisions to that Super point. Super bad decisions, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I've done friction fires and they're the hardest thing to do in the world. Like yeah. it's not just, it's the hardest. I could, I could build an AK-47 for my, with my bare hands mm-hmm. before I could make a fire with a piece of, with a stick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very difficult to do yeah. and you have to practice it constantly. So big lighters, you can buy a garbage bag of them for like five bucks at mm-hmm. Walmart. Take the big lighters and I've literally done this. Throw them in your car. Mm-hmm. Throw them in your rucksack. Because when you need it, you're not going to find it. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, you, you use it you, once and lose it. You need a... Sh- <laughs> yeah, don't buy one. Yeah. Don't be the guy... Like in my EDC pack, I have one. Do they have a shelf life? You know? They don't. They don't. They okay. don't. But but if they're, if they're soaking wet, if the elevation... Um, if they're cracked, I've seen a whole bunch of instances where they, they have malfunctioned because mm-hmm. the top head of the ladder, mm-hmm. uh, where you could swap the heads. There's a whole bunch of things that you could do. But also uh, understand that the, the, the fuel inside of it, which is, what's the fuel inside of it? It's, uh, uh, what's lighter fluid? Butane. Mm-hmm. That, that's inside of it can be used as a means to mm-hmm. ignite so a it, fuel. So if you break the top off, you can always cut it in half and use it to, to yes. start a fire. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I'm they're, a big fan of big lighters. Yeah, man. they're super light. I think they're 10,000 strikes per lighter or something like that's that. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would I, yeah. Why would I uh, try to matches? Hurricane matches. Hurricane matches. Yeah. I wouldn't get a regular match. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to use regular matches in Colorado. Yeah. At elevation, you know, with the a change in oxygen. oxygen mm-hmm. um, every thousand feet, you're going to see dramatic shifts and changes in fire. Mm-hmm. Um, even with a big lighter. I mean, if if you ever lived, I lived in Colorado at eight thousand feet. 
Um, and making a fire was like super small and super difficult. Um, so it wasn't like any, anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have a tinder source. Like people always think that if they have the fire starter, they're good. Well, that's, that's the easiest part, really. I mean, sparking something is easier. You could take magnesium, you could take a flint rod, you could take a ferro rod, but you need something as an initial ignition for the fuel or ignition for the flame, that's going to give you your fire. Um, so that means breaking down the fuel sources, whether you, you know, depending on your school of thought, um, I use the toothpick, the, the pencils, and then the fingers as far as my breakdown of fuel sources to get the fire flowing. Um, and then you have to partition that and progress it as you go. Uh, in addition to that, you need tinder. The tinder is important. A little bag of pubes is what I call it. Not actual pubes. Don't take your pubes and use them in your go bag. Um, but you can buy tinder online. It's already pre-made. Or get dryer lint. Stick in a little zippy, zippy lock. And uh, use that. Unstring it or break it apart. And then use that as your, as your tinder source. Yeah, you can dip it in like some, some sort of fuel, right? Yeah, and you then, can dip it in, in petroleum bag. jelly. Yeah. Um, which, it, which keeps it sustained for a longer period of time. Uh, but yeah, you, you need a, 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 an ignition for your flame. Uh, not just the spark for the flame, because a fire starter is only a spark mm-hmm. for the flame. Yeah, yeah, um, it needs to yeah catch something. Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing a course uh, training with some guys, and I was training them in in how to start a fire, and they were making fires. They put woods, and the dude had a pile of sticks, and he was standing over the pile of sticks like two feet above it, striking the, yeah, the rod, like it was going to burst looking into at flames. It and going, "Why is this not starting?" It's and I'm broken. like, "Let's just stop, man. You're from California. I apologize. Let's just start." No offense to Californians, but yeah. he was doing that. What a... We good on fire? I think yes. We, yeah, big lighter yes. covers it all. So what hygiene products, or if any, would you carry? A shit ton. Would you? Hygiene is super important. Okay. Hand sanitizer, number one. Okay. Uh, that is... Look, to, to wash your hands adequately, mm-hmm. you're talking about 10 seconds of lather, lathering of soap. Like people don't understand this, and I, I never realized this until I grew up and started talking to human beings that, that were adults that mm-hmm. didn't realize what it was. So the reason soap sanitizes your hands is because it's a chemical process, right? That chemical process uh, uh, happens during the lathering process of soaping your hands. Mm-hmm. And then with water and then moving it in your hands, it creates that lather, which unbinds the dirt and, and grime from your hands, it's a literal thing. Mm-hmm. It's a tangible thing. It's not like magic where molecularly it just disappears. It doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It ha- it's bound to it for longer. For the longer you wash your hands, the more better results you're going to get. And then you rinse that off and then your hands are clean. Mm-hmm. So that's a process. So a bar of soap is essential, but not the, the go-to for... Yeah, you uh, need a stream because you're not yeah. going to use all your water to so, wash your hands. for. So then you, you, get, you get a drop of hand sanitizer. And it, it is literally pure alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then that is acting to kill all the bacteria on your hand. So that's a better to me, uh, especially in long-term survival, uh, means to hygiene than anything mm-hmm. else. Now, we're not just talking about hands. I'm talking about, like, people are uncomfortable talking about this. But if you go in the woods for a long period of time and you don't clean your ass. You get monkey butt. And your, and your balls. You get monkey butt. And your, yeah. and your genitals. Yeah. You're going to get infections. Yeah. 
you're going to get nasty ass infections. And I, I mean, you're shitting in the woods. You don't clean your hands and you're eating. You're going to get gut rot, man. You're going to get Giardia, fucking, yeah. yeah. You're going to get sick as fuck yeah. and you're, you're puking and you're getting dehydrated. Um, yeah, living in the woods is nasty. It's gross. If you don't take care of it. It's yeah, a, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I recommend people doing is getting, if you don't have, if you have baby wipes or if you have a means to clean, you have to clean your crevices of your joints. Mm -hmm. That's that's where cellulitis is caused because like in every joint in your body, the skin is constantly contracting. And so when that happens, it breaks apart and fractures, uh, mic microscopically fractures your skin, mm -hmm. causing breaks in it. Then all of a sudden, you get a little bacteria in that, that gets infected, that turns into cellulitis, and then you die from taking a knee in the woods. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. from the smallest of things. Mm -hmm. Nature will fucking kill you, mm -hmm. and it's microscopic. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be the Amazon yeah. where snakes and shit. Yeah, and no, it's, it's bacteria. Yeah, it, uh, mountains of Arizona and North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else for hygiene? Um, I think... You know, shit paper is important. Um, chapstick is a good There's one. There's ways to improvise shit paper, right? How yeah. many times you rip your t-shirt and wipe your ass with it in the field? Dude, it happens so all, many times. All the time, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I've yeah. actually gone through Fuck. levels, like where I've stripped yeah. Yeah. per poops per day, per week, <laughs> and, and come out with a freaking a tank top. Um, if you're in the field for weeks or days even, and you brush your teeth... Oh my God, with toothpaste, it is such a morale. It, it is. It makes you feel, because you grow, it feels like you've got fur on your teeth after a couple yes. of days. Gum is good for that, actually, to keep that shit off it. But yes. if you brush your teeth in the field, yeah. it seems like a small thing, but it's such a morale boost. You feel so clean, yeah. even though your ass is rotten. But. Well, you need, yeah, you got monkey butt, <laughs> but you have to clean mouth. Um, one of the things to remember is charcoal is a, it won't, one, that is the original toothpaste. That's what mm -hmm. people were using early on. Um, it, it's super good. You could make homemade versions of it. You could even learn how to do it in the woods. I would recommend people use toothpaste because people want to go to the E in the paste plan from the gate. Yeah. How about we stick to the P mm -hmm. and then and then be, be prepared to execute the E. Mm -hmm. The reason I would use toothpaste in a survival situation because of fluoride. If you don't get fluoride uh, for long periods of time, then you look like the United Kingdom in 2020. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you if you see people from Europe's teeth, it's because hey. the, no, your teeth are good because you've been in America long enough. But there's no fluoride in the water, which yeah. provides uh, super good hygiene um, and and the molecular bonding of of uh, calcium for your for your grill. You need fluoride. Mm -hmm. Another thing is antibiotic ointment. Like if you can get like a little tube of antibiotic uh, antiseptic ointment, mm -hmm. that is huge. Because if you get a little crack or crevice, mm -hmm. to stop things getting worse. You, yeah, you yeah. can stick it in there, and mm -hmm. then it, and it acts as a, a bacterial um, um, barrier. But you could also uh, use it on your lips. Uh, one thing, one one thing I was taught early on in my, in like the Boy Scout days is, if you take the grease that's in between your nostril and your cheek, and which everybody has which is uh, prevalent in your T-zone, you take that out and you put it on your lips, that actually creates an oil barrier on your lips to prevent infection, hmm. uh, as well as limiting or reducing uh, the environmental factors that have on your lips, sun and, mm. and cold. Mm -hmm. And then obviously sunblock, depending on where you're at, right? Yeah. Um, and chapstick. chapstick. Chapstick is one of these, yeah. you know, and don't Yeah, don't get one of these, like, you know, glitter chapsticks. We're talking about... <laughs> an actual one that has essential oils, the vitamin E, which is important. 
Um, you want to create that barrier. I mean, if I'm in the woods mo- doing a long range movement, I'll have my lips coated in lube. Wait. Of, course, of course you will. <laughs> Damn, dude. Wait. So what about uh, insect repellent? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending on where you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Insect repellent's important. Uh, when, when me and you were in the Army, we used spray can cans, aerosol cans of DEET. Yeah. Um, and didn't realize the chemical damage. No wonder we I'm all fucked up. Yeah. Dude, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, horrible for you. So using um, that... Um, there's different variations, but I would have a small container of it, especially mm-hmm. if I was in any heated climate. I mean, Alaska is one of the worst. I grew up in Florida. D- destroys you. Mm-hmm. I mean, half the people on the East Coast um, have f- some disease from some tick, from some mosquito, malaria mm-hmm. included. Um, what's the bad one? The uh, Lyme disease, mm-hmm. which is hugely yeah. a problem on your immune system. Mm-hmm. A lot of people on the East Coast have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you good with hygiene? Yep. Let's talk about cooking utensils. What are you mm. going to cook off? Because you can cook off a fire sometimes, but it's nice to have a small cooker with you for, uh, you know, warm up chow, morale booster. Yes. You know, I've eaten, I've yeah. eaten cold chow a lot. So have you, because when you're in a reconnaissance situation, you can't cook and you're eating cold chow all the time for, for days and it sucks to get a hot meal money. What kind of cooker are you like? Uh, I use butane. For everything, mm-hmm. I, I've used like in special operations. I've used it in mountainous environments, high elevation, all the way down to swamps. Like literally sitting in a swamp and using it. Mm. The reason I like that is because of the the flash to burn, meaning the time in which I turn on a butane fueled stove. And there's mm-hmm. diff- a hundred companies, right? There's uh, MSR. There's uh, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred companies. Mm-hmm. But what I like is the ones that rotate and that you can control the flame. I've timed it before. Less than a minute, you can get boiling, rolling boiling water. Mm. And that's important in survival, mm-hmm. um, even important in blugging out. Because if you're on the move, or, or even if you're in a situation where time is important, you want to spend the least amount of time heating up your food mm-hmm. and, and delivering a signature. Uh, an all, you know, it could be an all-factor signature. It could be the smell. It could be a sight, whatever it is. I want to roll it out, get it cooked, get it boiled, dump that boiling water into my food. I want to boil water to sanitize it and drink it. Whatever it may be, mm-hmm. butane is a good way, a fast and effective way of getting that done. Yeah, it might now, save your life if you're hypothermic, man. Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Time is of the essence in a, in a, mm-hmm. a cold weather situation. We, we uh, When I was in Ireland, we, we took this stuff very seriously. I, I had a... a butane camp stove in my pack but on my kit like i said i always planned for dropping my ruck and being i had those little hex cookers you know the little hex cookers that have the tablets in them and they're fantastic because they're small and light but you're going to run out of tablets very quickly you know they don't last that long yeah but um, i do carry i so i for for contingencies i like my personal cooker is a jet boil Mm -hmm. so i have a jet boil boil like a new one Mm -hmm. um that you turn on and crank on really fast but i have the fuel cells that Mm -hmm. i carry as a contingency for that um and then it's in the same kit as all my fire contingencies Mm -hmm. so if i have to make a fire i have the tinder and everything's co-located in one bin Mm -hmm. so if i'm cooking i pull out that little small pelican case open it up and it's my go-to for everything. Mm. Um, steel pot is important. You have to have a, a steel pot in order to cook over. A lot of people forget the, the fact in survival that you could have a container, 
But if it's an algae bottle, you can't boil the water mm-hmm. in that container. I like the old-fashioned mess tins, man. You yeah. know the two mess tins that them. you put a lot of stuff in the in, in, inside and tape it up so it doesn't make yes. noise? And then you have two very easy-to-carry yes. pots, basically. Yeah. You yeah. have a pot, mm-hmm. you can pull out the bowl that you're using for the food in yeah. that. You can have mm-hmm. all the utensils and everything. I, in one I think in some ways, like, the, the, you look back at the wars that we fought, right? And, and uh, you know, look back at Vietnam and Korea and World War II. Those guys were so much better at this type of stuff than we We're so spoiled. Yeah. Because after the war, the, the GWAT got going. Everywhere we went, I mean, we roughed it off vehicles. We did long-range patrols. But most of the time, we were on bases with chow halls yes. and all that. And nobody... In the American Army, and even in special operations, they don't really take survival that seriously, right? Yes. They, they think that they'll break contact and an aircraft will be there to pick them up really, really quickly, you know? So I think we've lost some of that mindset mm. for worst-case scenario in the military because we're so well taken care of. And I think we thought about it more when I was in Ireland in the Army than we do in the American Army. Maybe it's because, they, like, a lot of European countries have a, have a especially... Back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, when they were afraid of Russia, their plan, like the Scandinavian countries, they can't fight Russia, right? So I know that Norway, Sweden, and, and Finland had bunkers and caches all over the, the country up, up in the north in the mountains. And their plan was, if the Russians invade, we'll, uh, we'll pull into the mountains and fight a guerrilla war. And they trained for that all the time. And maybe that was the mindset that, that led to being able to self-sustain in the field for long periods of time. Because if you're a guerrilla, there's no big structure to come help you. You're on mm-hmm. your own. And uh, I, I kind of miss that mindset where I don't have a QRF. I, I, I don't have aircraft to come get me within, within you know, hours or, or, or at most days if something bad goes wrong. I'm on my own. And uh, Wouldn't it be cool to teach that? It would be awesome, yeah. It would yeah. be cool to teach that to military and civilians, mm-hmm. that you, you come in here, you have a packing list. You yeah. show up with your packing list, mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's a, a very basic outline. It mm-hmm. says, have the ability to cook food or camp food. Mm-hmm. And then you go out as a group of five or mm-hmm. ten, and then you're out in the field, you're learning as you go, but then you're seeing the mistakes because you're living them. Yeah. And that small opportunity. Experience is a great, one, great one teacher. One fucking week of mm-hmm. that experience yeah. changes your outlook on life. Absolutely. It yeah. does. Yeah, I remember seeing a, a British Army program on the BBC when I lived in Ireland called Behind the Lions. And it was the Royal Marine Commando Seer School. And they took these guys out and they put them in World War II clothing. Like the old jackets and boots with no laces in them. And they went and did uh, survived, lived off the land for like days. And it just broke them down. I've yes. done it too. And it fucking broke me down too. When I got into the, I don't want to give away secrets, but when I get into the prison in Seer School... I, I we we didn't have much intel in Sierra School because it was the last thing we did in the pipeline. They've moved it earlier in the pipeline now, and uh, so people come back from Sierra School and they tell their buddies yes. everything that happened. So so I had no intel. I really didn't know. And I heard that maybe they hit you, and I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care, man. I, I can take a punch. I've fucking fought. I can't remember how many bar fights that I fought in the ring and all kinds of shit. So I was like, I don't care. When that guy pulled the hood off my head and hit me the first time, that shit hurt. <laughs> Dude, I saw sparks. I said, because I was hungry and I was fucking oh, yeah, tired after being on You're a skip. And I was weak as fuck. Yeah. And that big bastard hit me. That shit hurt. Yeah. Was man. it a black dude with a fat pickle finger fingers? Uh, I, he, <laughs> what did we call that guy? He hit me too a lot. Yeah, he beat me the he fuck He beat up. my ass too, but I, it wasn't him that first time. Um, they had a habit of stripping off my pajamas all the time. Like my ass was always hanging out. My dick's always <laughs> hanging out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Are they trying to strip me naked? Quick segue, Sears school story. Uh-huh. Um, I was telling you this the other day, I think. And uh, 
So they stripped us all naked and they're checking everybody's tattoos. And I didn't have any oh, tattoos. Yeah. I only have one tattoo, right? And I, I didn't have it at the time. But what, You have one tattoo? Yeah. I have oh, yeah. Team, our team tattoo. Team tattoo, right? So, no. Um, so they strip everybody naked and they're going through and they're just fucking fucking with these guys about their tattoos. And this guy has a tattoo, a tramp stamp tattoo of badass written on his lower back. A guy. A guy. This. Badass. And they were like, oh, it's a warning label for the homosexuals. The ass is no good. Oh my God. <laughs> badass. Yeah. What the? Expired. He must have been like, when they were like, strip off, and he, he must have been like, oh, I fucking hate my life oh right my now. Oh yeah. Dude, they fucking destroyed that Why guy. would he do that? He deserves it. Why would you get a Who the fuck does that? Who do... Oh, oh, a whole bunch of army guys. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets their airborne wings before they go to airborne school yeah, and then yeah, fail. Yeah. Fucking badass. All um, right. Segway. Badass. Back to cooking. Um, so, so Austin, it, just like five day course. Yep. All in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have some admin academic stuff. Yeah. But probably three days, three nights in the woods. You want to do a little bit of tactics, a little bit of patrol base activities. Yeah. Like, like very, very mild, very mild but, because yeah. it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's learn as you live. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. Learn as you live. Mm-hmm. Five days, uh, one day uh, of academics. Mm-hmm. You go in the wood line, you're in the wood line, one, two, three days. You come out the last day, baller chow, um, a great experience. But we need to write the POI for that. Easy. Because we've done it. Yeah. I've done that hundreds kind of, of training times. hundreds of times. And, and you know, for the people that are like, oh, that would suck. I'm telling you now, I think SEER school was the worst fucking school I did my whole army career, right? Because I just wasn't ready for it. And I got my ass beat. When you when you're done, you're like, man, that was awesome. You know, yeah, there's something absolutely. about hardship. Something about getting your ass beat. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> George, welcome but, to the podcast, man. What are you doing? So George likes to come up here and bully people. Yeah. You trying to pick on people, man? He's trying to pick on me now because I drank his energy drink. I know, I know. So we're gonna do that course. The first five days I have open on my calendar, we're dropping. That's that like shit. 2025. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm booked out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Three nights, one academic day, and the last day is just they actually go home, go to their hotel, sleep, come back in the morning. We have AERs, and then focus on uh, you know getting together, talking about all the things that we mm-hmm. did wrong and did right. Yeah, um, um, we could write that POI today. Oh, easy. We probably have it already. In, in um, knife, what kind of knife? You got one knife to take. What do yes. you take? Ooh, you know, I, dude. When I was in, yeah, where was I? You just pulled a bell on me. I did. You see how he belled me? I did. <laughs> hey, no? man. The- Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. I get a taunt in my head, and if I don't say it right away, it's say, gone. It's gone already. It's gone. It probably is. Is yeah, it gone? It's gone, yeah. Kevin Estella told me, I said, I want to, the old, I've been asked this in a survival magazine. They uh, wrote an article, and they said, Mike, what is the number one thing you should have in the wood line if you have one piece of equipment to bring? And I said, a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Because you have, if you, especially if you have a framer's hatchet, which has a hammer on one end, uh, axe, a hatchet on the other, a blade on the other end. You could pry, you could lever, you could smash, you could cut, you could splice. Uh, a whole bunch of applications, mm-hmm. right? He said, carry a knife. And I said, why? And he said, because if you have a hatchet and you accidentally do something, which I've seen, and if you ever watch the show Alone, which is one of my favorite shows, where they put these people out like in Patagonia. Mm-hmm. And they say, the last person to come out wins, right? So you're just there for as long as you can with just a couple tools. There was a, a, a guy who was cutting and sliced open his hand and had to get medevaced because he couldn't live with that cut. Mm-hmm. And so you, you could, I've done it before. You could easily hurt yourself with a hatchet. Yeah. But a knife is more surgical. 
mm-hmm. and it's means, right? It's more technical as far as your cuts and the mm-hmm. things that you do. Uh, but you could also carve, you could also cut. I would carry a bushcraft knife and I would carry the one that Kevin Estella designed. Mm. I actually bought that knife for George for his birthday. It cost me way too much. He never uses it mm. and I'm probably going to steal it back. Mm. But that's the one I would use. What about you? So you wouldn't have you wouldn't have a multi-tool type knife I would. with a lot of stuff yes. on it like a Swiss Army knife or Gerber my Gerber, Gerber t- yeah. tool. Yeah. My Leatherman is is the number one tool that I have that mm-hmm. has a knife, but that's my contingency. Okay. I want a knife on my person, yeah. straight blade. Mm-hmm. That I could use for defense, but also use for survival. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I, I was thinking more like a Rhodesian uh, machete, Gurkha knife, a big banana Dude, knife. Fuck yeah! I did, we Gurkhas in Somalia was gonna give me one of them knives. And I really? Got it. Fuck yeah! I was like, yeah, I don't care. But, George, remind me to buy a Gurkha knife off eBay tonight. <laughs> um, the uh, oh. yeah, I, I would want the multi-tool type functioning thing, but I'd want a knife too. Are you gonna go hatchet though? I don't know. It depends on the weight, I guess. Yes. It would be nice to have a hatchet. So it really would. I was cutting wood. And fire. I was cutting wood because mm-hmm. a tree fell on my Land Cruiser the other day mm-hmm. uh, in the snow. Um, I was using an axe that I have that I've carried in my truck for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Then you went and bought a chainsaw. Yeah, this is after this happened. <laughs> so I was just bran- I was uh, uh, branching it, cutting mm-hmm. cutting branches off. As I was cutting the branches off, um, this Ooh. is like a fake ass gherkin knife. This ain't even real. It's missing a lot it of the, look the like gu. It. This is the gur. Yeah. This is the gur. This is not yeah. a... Yeah. You got that in Thailand? Yeah. Okay, man. Okay. Some other things. <laughs> Some other things. Okay. <laughs> um, we won't go into that. Um, so when uh, I was bra- you know, taking the branches off this tree, the, ham- the head came off of it. Yeah. And it broke it. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And so I have a Gerber Fisker. Axe, which is a it's a brand of Gerber. Fisker is like the the main brand, and they 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 co-brand it uh, Gerber, but it's synthetic. It's not a wooden stock, and it's like a piece of plastic with mm-hmm. an axe. Is it lighter? It's lighter, mm. and I've I've smashed the shit out of of trees, and it's never it's never let me down. Yeah, if it was light, I'd take yeah. it. I I think about every ounce because yeah. you know we've carried rocks so many times. But uh, I'm a traditionalist because I like the wood and I like the steel. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I I think in this case I would go synthetic handles with a little bit smarter applications because there are some good companies. That what about so. the ability to sharpen it? I would use a small stone. I have mm-hmm. a small stone on my desk that I, that I I picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would use a small sharpening stone. They they make them like very small. I would carry that as a pebble on a piece of five fifty cord. They okay. make them even with five fifty cord. Okay. Um, navigation. All right, I'm gonna have to cut this podcast. This is part one. Okay. Of a, of All right. A whole bunch How long have we been talking? Uh, two hours and eleven minutes. Oh my god. I know. I've gone wow. through two lives. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh people people are putting Z's on the on their comments because yeah. they're actually sleeping. That's like a default when they go to sleep. Yeah, it yeah. Z's out. All right, let's let's cut it then because yeah. there's more to talk about, man. This a shit ton. We're yeah. only halfway into this, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. we haven't even got to the bugging out part. Yes. We're oh just, my god. Yeah, we're yeah. in the bugging, the planning portion of the bugging out part. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shit's going to get more complicated, but I hope you guys on Instagram. You know what? Let's take a couple questions from Instagram. I know okay. some guys, 160 ish people have been tuning in, tuning in uh, to us running our sucks. And mm-hmm. so um, if you guys got any questions, please let us know. Uh, I'll let it go for a little while. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the good feedback. Great show. 
<laughs> Somebody put boundaries in dating. <laughs> There's a ton. Um, there are no boundaries in d- dating. <laughs> Fart on the first date in the first hour, and that'll tell you a lot about how the rest of your life is going to go. Um, awesome. Thanks, guys. This So this podcast, if you guys are tuning in on Instagram, is... Um, is a uh, podcast on bugging out. I've shared it on my live feed today. By the time you guys hear it on the podcast, it's already too late. It's too far gone. But we'll continue to do these because with everything going on with the coronavirus and everybody quarantined, we're fucking going to shit content all over the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if tactical courses get taken out, uh, we're going to put them in, put in the survival courses we've been talking about yep. mm-hmm. for, for years. Mm-hmm. So we're going to embed these survival courses i'd like to know if there's an appetite out there for land navigation training map and compass no gps just good old-fashioned map and compass grids yes you know we'll uh, teach that in that course too man if i know how to navigate and so do you obviously but if i didn't know i'd be getting scared i'd be like man i need to know how to navigate so somebody said favorite ipa that's gonna be plenty the elder boxers for briefs i like briefs because i like to keep it snug um but not tidy whities Best caliber rifle for bugging out. That's you, Kev. Ooh, that's a hard one. That is a hard one because... You have to carry the ammo for the rifle. Yeah. Like if you're going to use it for hunting, small game, maybe a twenty-two. Yeah. Maybe a little twenty-two that folds. Ooh. Light ammunition, cheap ammunition. My my Ruger 10-22 breakdown. Yeah, perfect, right? And if you shoot a motherfucker in the face with it, he's going to lose interest in what he's doing, right? So um, not a great thing for defense but you could shoot somebody a few times and um, they'll fucking they'll change your mind right now if you're talking self-defense and survival um five five six yeah. you know 300 blackout maybe yeah um suppressed i think about battlefield procurement so five five six is what i'm five five six is everywhere yeah, yeah. a short a shorty yeah. gun yeah yeah um i i actually am gonna buy i did i wasn't going to but i'm gonna do it now um that Mo- mongol Shorty shotgun. Oh yeah, I saw that yeah. the other day. And, Four yeah, plus yeah. one in the chamber. It's like three hundred fifty bucks. Pretty something. light. Yeah, yeah, it's light. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe if you're carrying a five five six rifle, carry a twenty two pistol with a suppressor on it. Yeah, and a red dot. Yes, be, that, I have one of those. Too. I have one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna add that to my little survival bug outlet. Yeah, yeah, list. Yeah. Cheap ammo, man. Light ammo. You can carry yeah. fucking hundreds of rounds. Um, yeah, that's where I would go. Uh, f- are you lads heading to the Kurah this summer? The Karag, C U R R A G H. I thought it was Ireland. The Kura, yeah, the it Kura, is. Yeah. yeah, no, we're not going now. It's we're been, not going it's now. Been it's been postponed. Yeah, yeah. So when when the when the world comes back to whatever the new normal is, because it's not going to be the same as it was, when the world comes back, then then they'll reschedule and um, we, we, we'll we'll go. The the NDIA conference got pushed as well. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked me the best AR-15. Look, this is part of our sponsorship. I, I will tell you that we're sponsored by these guys, but that's not the reason why we I, I talk about them. But Bravo Company Manufacturing, as well as uh, Trarick Systems, are two of my favorite AR-15 and custom pistol, carbine, mm-hmm. rifle, gun companies. Yeah, they make a solid platform. Yeah. They really do. And uh, I got one from you the other day. So. Yeah. Um, Trarick Systems, for sure. Use mm-hmm. Philcraft, one word, at TriarchSystems.com to save... Uh, 5%. If you guys are interested in AR-15s or BCMs, email us. Uh, we don't sell the full guns because I don't have my FFL, but we can sell the uppers. Email us at info at com. That's the first time I put that out. Mm. And I, I feel okay with that because I'm that overregulated. I, I'm probably going to get hit on my Instagram yeah. and they're going to uh, yeah, yeah, they're going to yeah. shut me down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, hit us up at info at com. Uh, they are limited because we don't get a lot of runs of them. Big shout out to John Chang from Black Powder Red Earth. 
You guys can check him out on BPRE.com or BlackPowderRedEarth.com. Uh, he does a graphic novel, but head of marketing for BCM and good relationship with those mm-hmm. guys. Um, somebody just said all the ham radios are sold out on Amazon. Wow. Crazy, Oh, we right? never got the combo. Yeah. Yeah. We, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, what is the best federal tactical teams to work with? Ooh. HRT is going to be mine. I mean, I, I've worked with I tell HRT you who before. impressed the fuck out of me and not a lot of people. Department of Energy. DOE, yeah. They, they, uh, they shot the use of Sox Sniper Comp. Yeah. They were on their game. And I'm like, what the fuck does Department of Energy they got a lot have? Of money. Why do they have a SWAT team, you know? Yeah. Because they transport nuclear weapons. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Among other things, right? Yeah. They, they were impressive, you know? FBI, HRT, yeah. Um, we, we've had a few of them at the uh, use of Sox Sniper Comp over the years. Yeah. And... Uh, it's somewhat down to personalities because you'll get a unit, like any any unit in the world, right? You'll get good guys in there and, and, and guys that are not on their game. And that comp's a hard place to judge people because you make one mistake and you, you're fucked. It's a very, it's top of the line comp, you know? Yeah. Um, but those guys were pretty squared away, DOE. Yeah. Uh, I like Bortak as well. Bortak's a good, mm-hmm. good guys to work with. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about watches too later, later on. Um, people have asked me, hey, well, have you gone back to a... Uh, uh, manual watch where this one's a pneumatic pneumatic kinetic mm-hmm. watch um, because power uh, I've realized with my power going out of my own place mm. I have a 17 kilowatt generator power consumption recharging shit that in these times I almost feel safer now with this watch mm-hmm. because I know it's always going to work yeah uh, it's not like my Garmin 5x Phoenix which I love but I use that for training for just telling time reliably mm. day and night uh, underwater, above water, this Aris, big shout out to A-R-E-S. I was actually in the CIA with this guy. Mm-hmm. He was my primary instructor in, uh, G- really? in, in agency training. Mm-hmm. Uh, big shout out to uh, this guy for making it. A-R-E-S watches.com. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in the podcast for all, on Instagram <coughs> for bearing uh, down and listening to this two-hour and 18-minute uh, uh, podcast on bugging out. It's super important. Uh, hopefully you made it through this thing and you continue to listen because we'll have part two, part three, uh, and so on and so forth. May 9th is our bugging out uh, mobile course, which is all related around the vehicles. I think that class is sold out um, because it's only limited with five rigs. Mm-hmm. So you can only show up, do five rigs, and it's that's it. Hey, if people want more, let us know. We, yeah, we, we we'll can, do more. We can expand it and throw some scenarios yeah. at you. We're very adaptable now with everything that's going on. That's the only way we can live. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who are on the struggle bus now. I mm-hmm. hope you guys are taking care of each other in your communities. It starts there. Your family, your friends, your network, your tribe, uh, your community. Take care of your own because a lot of people need the help right now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you come out of the back of this and you look back, are you going to look back and be... I was a shitbag who bought up all the toilet paper in the whole fucking store or yeah. when, when things got rough... Yeah. I, I help people out. I, yeah, I, I was a business that took advantage of fucking people. Yeah, yeah. Or were your business that helped people that yeah. were less fortunate than you? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're not on top of the world right now, but we're doing better than most. Mm-hmm. And so our individual responsibility as a business and as individuals who work for the business is to help as many people as possible. So, <clears throat> yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Until next time, stay alert. Stay alive. Stay alive.